nitrate power. You're in the dog zone for an hour. Come on. You know the number. Welcome to the Dog Zone 9000, the official podcast of 1-900-HOT-DOG, the United States of America's ultimate comedy website. Come support us, patreon.com, 1-900-HOT-DOG, if the arts are important to you, and by arts, I of course mean garbage. I'm His Royal Highness, Robert of Rockway, and with me is the Duke of Babies, Sean. We will be putting the shrimps on the barbie! <laughs> Our guest today is internet historian, transport analyst, enjoyer of terrible British impressions that turn <laughs> Australian and then maybe, I think, a little Jamaican. John Ball. Greetings. So it's nice to get the, uh, the, the Welsh via India accent. Going <laughs> oh, I will not be doing that again. It might happen on accident, but that'll be a less purposeful fake British accent. Look, look, I lived in New York for like a year and a half. I, I got used to it after a while. The fake uh, British accents? Oh, yes. <laughs> the people people would like, them to your face. It would code switch to British to like make you feel more comfortable. So, yeah, there's, there's a sort of code switching thing that goes on. But also I found myself like I, I come from London and that means mm-hmm. I, I can, my accent code switches anyway. Um, okay. And I found that I, in different situations, I'd either go very London and sound like the worst Dick Van Dyke impressionist ever or go full Hugh Grant, just depending on who I was talking to. On how um, many romantic misunderstandings you were having. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, and and that varied night by night, you know. Well, let's see. I think I would prefer Dick Van Dyke if it's all the same. Yeah, I've got a glass of wine, so I tend to lean that way when I'm about halfway in, so you'll be all right. Yeah, because if you do Hugh Grant, I will fall in love. I'm expecting the accent to vary wildly throughout <laughs> as we, like, travel through the various regions of what I assume are terrible faux pas of society <laughs> on every level <laughs> as we talk about whatever the fuck this is. But first, do you want to plug something? Yeah, I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, I'm an internet historian, um, uh, a historian of weird shit, as someone once described me, which basically means oh. you find me on Twitter and Mastodon on, on Medium, and I've got books on Amazon and stuff. And it's all stuff about things like the time Australia lost wars against the emus and things like that, and weird <laughs> television as well. They lost a war to the emus? Yeah, oh no, the Australians lost a war to the emus. You don't um, know about the emu war? Best <laughs> war ever. Man, every time I've fought an emu, I like at least draw. <laughs> Oh no! It was a terrible loss. It was. It was a massive one-sided. Loss. Fucking. It turns out you can't kill emus with machine guns, which is a massive problem in about 1923. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get this book. That's a good plug. That's a book. great plug. If you want to see emus not mowed down with machine guns, uh, Twitter at Garius for that one. It's, it's pinned to my posts. You'll find my 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 threads on the emu war. Well, this is the perfect subject for you then, and actually. I would like to. I would like to start uh, at the very beginning because you contacted us for this. You you tagged us on Twitter and said you would love to do a podcast about this. And I would like to open by saying that's a bold move. That's a real bold move. <laughs> he was absolutely right. He was absolutely right. But usually they're not. This is very rare for somebody to say. 
I want to yeah. do a podcast with you. Here's what it, here's what it is. You should check this out. It's like it's usually a sitcom where like somebody's a shoe. Right. Or like a video of someone farting. They're like, we got to talk about this. And you're like, oh, we're just Jesus. like, guys, I found the perfect movie for you. It's called Sharknado. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's it's so bad. It's good. It's so bad. It's good, guys. That's, that's so usually the thing is, having, having been a podcast listener for about two years, there was literally only one podcast that was ever going to let me talk about this. And that, <laughs> that, that, that was yourselves. And you called your shot and absolutely landed it. Drained it. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about a 1987, I guess, TV special would be the best way to describe this, called It's a Royal Knockout. And uh, I'd like to to take you through my notes. I took some notes immediately upon... Well, I watched this to make sure, like, first of all, that it wasn't just Sharknado. And, and like, we actually had something to talk about. But immediately afterward, I wrote down my, like, impressions as I went through and the various stages of realization. So, at the very first, I was like, huh, this is like British Wipeout. Like, this yeah. is just, just a slapstick comedy, you know, game show kind of thing. But it wasn't just a British version in that, like, we're doing Wipeout and we're British. It was like quintessentially almost racistly British. Like, like I would feel bad explaining this uh, if it didn't actually happen. Like <laughs> this would be very problematic. Like if it was an American show, it would take place in a Denny's and it would be about, about gun violence. It's just too, it's too on the nose. And so I was writing this down like, this, yeah, I guess this is okay. It seems a little bit. It's funny that they're pretending to be royalty. <laughs> and then it took, after a little while, I went, why did they keep just saying the names? Like, they're going to get in trouble if they just keep saying, like, this is actually Prince Andrew. When obviously not. Obviously not. Yeah, he and then never. finally, like, five minutes in, they cut to somebody and I went, I, I have it in my notes. Is that fucking Fergie? <laughs> And that's when I realized uh, what is actually happening here. This is Incredible. this is starring uh, members of the actual royal family playing playing a problematic British uh, wipeout, and it's it's yeah, incredible. They're, they're each team captains for a team of celebrities. Uh, it's all celebrity royal royal family headed, much more embarrassing version of the slapstick show with the least dignity, like infamously the least dignity on TV. It's, yeah, and it's incredible that it exists. It's got a weird amount of pomp that like they keep kind of commenting on, like, isn't it silly that we're doing silly things amongst all of these Royal, you know, I mean, it's, it's really hard to get the tone, I guess is what I'm saying. It's better than that in the sense that, and, and, you know, it's not a spoiler to say that there is a lasting society implication of this because <laughs> essentially the result of this indirectly is that the royal family end up having to pay tax for the very first time in history. That's oh okay. God. So fantastic. Okay. That's so first of all, that's, that's true. Like I, it, I'm relying on you for cultural context because a lot of this, it's hard to know if people are just writing essays about this show, changing how the, how the royal family was viewed are just making like, I have a thesis statement and I need some views or if like this actually fucked things up for the royal family. And it seems like it's the latter. Like it actually screwed the reputation of the royal family <laughs> up in a very major and irreparable way. 
in a major and irreparable way and in ways that aren't actually often written about in those essays um which at some point i will i will bring it up when it's relevant but this this screwed the royal family in multiple ways um, that's fantastic it's, it's it's one of those things where if if you if you look up this seemed like a good idea at the time in the dictionary if it's not just a picture of the royal family in very dodgy jester outfits on this show (laughs) it's just failing as a dictionary (laughs) (laughs) all right so this game is a spin-off of something called it's a knockout again i don't have the cultural context for it it seems like it was just a precursor to wipeout just straight slapstick no themes or whatever yeah silly Uh, obstacle courses humiliating obstacle courses Most interesting thing I found about the original show was that it was the inspiration for Peter Gabriel's Games Without Frontiers. I would say the second most interesting thing I found out about that show, and and this show consequently, since it did use the same host, is that he was a convicted sex offender. <laughs> Jesus. On a massive scale. On a talking, massive just scale. Just dipping into the field of sex offending on <laughs> a massive scale. He wasn't an amateur. He, was a pro, he went pro. That like really unpleasant guy that interviewed him before the, the uh, log Stuart scoop? Stuart Hall, I believe is his name okay. was, and I yeah. I don't have the cultural context to know of this guy. He just seemed like your generic host. It seems like uh, this was his claim to fame. Was the original hosting the original It's a Knockout, and then helping to bring this this special back. The original It's a Knockout seems like it ended uh, in the early '80s, and he brought along with a. Uh, Prince Edward, whose idea this was. Prince Edward had this idea. They didn't recruit the royal family. Prince Edward wanted to be on TV so badly that he's like, this is my in, is doing a silly obstacle course for charity. And so he brought back this already kind of old canceled show uh, with what turned out to be a very prolific sex offender. Uh, They brainstormed this whole thing together. And Edward was actually a massive fan of the original, and that's what straight stays into this. The other thing he's a massive fan of is James Bond, and that boy does that show as this goes on. Yeah, <laughs> and I imagine Superman. It seems like most of the celebrities were taken from James Bond and Superman. Yeah, I've always wanted. I've, I've I've got weirdly obsessed with this over the years to the point where I'm surprised my wife is still with me after 15 years, <laughs> and like. Yeah, you can kind of you get to a point where you're almost pinning pins and bits of paper to boards to try yeah. and track whose agent overlaps with whose other agent to get them on the show. Exactly. And whose fandom? Like, if, or, who who loves? Who's the big meatloaf fan here? <laughs> who brought meatloaf into this? Because, and I guess that's a spoiler. Meatloaf's in this. Uh, and and the person who brought Meatloaf into this was the team captain of Meatloaf's team because they actually had a lot of choice in who they brought onto their teams, which very much influences how it goes. Wow! So the team wow. captain being uh, Duchess of York, Fergie, personally brought personally brought Meatloaf into this. Requested the presence. Of, of Sir Meat she of Loaf. Requested, she requested the presence of Sir Meat of Loaf and uh, communicated to that to Edward, who took it on to himself for a lot of these celebs. When you look at their accounts, they talk about just being on set somewhere and getting a phone call from <laughs> Prince Edward <laughs> saying, I'm doing this thing. I'm not going to tell you what it's about, but I'm oh, a, a smart move. do it. That's oh, a yeah. good move. That's a good move. To, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it's about. You're going to think it's like a royal ball or something. Uh, I've come equipped to get wet. Bring splash guards. It's gonna, it's gonna get goofy. I'll just say that. Uh, so this takes place at uh, at Alton Towers. Uh, it looks like a theme park. Am I wrong in saying that's like medieval times? 
Like it's I- so it's it's sort of the, probably the biggest kind of equivalent would be it's sub Disneyland. It's like Britain's kind of biggest theme park. So think sort of Six Flags type thing, but bigger. Okay. Um, and yeah, it also happens to be on the estate of a member of the nobility who realized it was a good way to make money. So yeah, it has. they have a big house there that you can visit and all of this. And obviously they built this giant one out of wood and cardboard for this. <laughs> that's, fan- that's fantastic. That oh, we're, on, we're on to the setting, like the physical setting, and it's already corrupt. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's all right. We're on to the host, uh, the origination of the idea and the setting. We've already found corruption and a sexual predator. Welcome to 80s Britain. That's that's our MO in the 80s. That's just, just all we do. It's just corruption and sex crimes. <laughs> and people apparently were were pretty chill with that until uh, until they did this. Uh, let's uh, let's run down the actual members of the royal family participating. So there's the, the Duke of York, Prince Prince Andrew. Uh, mm-hmm. Duchess of York, Fergie, Prince Edward himself, and uh, the Princess Royal Anne. Am I? That's the right title. Yeah. So Princess Anne is the is the oldest daughter of the Queen, the, the now oh, the now zombie Queen, um, and she is by far the most sane member of that entire family. I had that in my notes. Levels. I was going to ask if people like her because she seemed to be the only one with uh, with any charm. She is the only one who comes out of this entire thing with her credibility enhanced rather than dropped. <laughs> and she's the only um, one that seems like she really didn't want to be doing it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she, she handles it well, but she the, the, the she's context, very open. The context you have to remember with Prince Anne is Prin- Princess Anne is as always, always somewhat disliked all of her brothers and therefore will attempt as an elder sister to beat them at every single opportunity. She has big sister energy coming out of her mm-hmm. all the time. That's fantastic for every and for everything that happens after this. I agree with her taste too. Her brothers are the fucking worst. Yeah, I agree 100%. I know very little about them because that's my right as an American is to not know anything <laughs> about Great Britain and especially the royal family. Well, the things to know about Princess Anne is she is a legit Olympian and a champion jockey. Like she has won, legitimately won horse races. She was okay. in the seventies. Someone also attempted to kidnap her at gunpoint. Um, shot, you know, shot up her car, driver, and everything else. Ripped open the door, tried to kidnap her, told her to ransom, and she basically told them, "Go away, don't be so silly." And <laughs> then a passing, a passing boxer punched the kidnapper, and that's how she got away with it. Wow. <laughs> that sounds like bad writing. Like that's, <laughs> that sounds like you panicked. And wrote yourself into a corner. You're like a passing boxer. Now they solve crime together. Well, you may notice that the, the plot, the plot of the beginning of Patriot Games by Tom Clancy, who literally lifts the entire thing and just inserts his character in the place of the boxer. Amazing, <laughs> fantastic already. Uh, so yeah, this is all. This is all down to Prince Edward. He wanted to start his TV career. Everybody, it seems like everybody thought this was a bad idea, except for possibly three out of the four people participating. I can't believe he wanted game. to do this because my notes uh, said that he was just like, had no charm or enthusiasm because they just, uh, Duchess of York gets introduced first and she's like doing a little cheer. She seems super like hungover and coming off a cold. Yeah, and she's then, sick. Yeah, and then it gets to Edward and he's like, oh yeah, my mom made me do this. I wasn't told they'd be speaking, fuck off. Like he just doesn't want to be there nope, from his this, demeanor. This but I think that's just idea. a lack of charm. This was his idea, and and he was certain it was going to skyrocket him into a career in television. And you can watch him find out live from the second he's introduced on the show 
that's not going to happen. Like as soon as he opens his mouth, he doesn't have anything. He's outshone just at every turn by literally everybody else with camera time. It's incredible. They are all, or a good percentage of them, are genuinely hungover, by the way, because they did hold a massive royal ball the night before. Yeah. yeah. I was <laughs> getting that energy. <laughs> I was getting, and I was getting that that every like celebrity here, too, was there and is also now either still drunk <laughs> or very clearly has done some things that they regret. Like, there's a, there's a look in everybody's face where, like, I kind of don't want to talk to these people. Right. I, I get the feeling that from the research I've been able to do, the yeah, well, and with one very specific incident, the uh, the 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 ball before was a bit of a uh, a student esque uh, uh, regretful night, um, and yeah, and it had also been raining all the time for the last two days, so I don't think anyone was overly enthused when it started. Although they definitely get into it, I reckon. Yeah, some some of them get into it a little more than others. Uh, I I've read that. Everybody wasn't a fan of this. I had a, a great cool. quote here from Prince Philip who said, it was unwise and unwelcome. Uh, why doesn't Edward let the TV people get on with it and just turn up to accept the checks? He's making us look foolish. Wow. There it is right there, I guess. How does he do something? He should be doing nothing. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad, for that vote of confidence and mobility on TV. That's what his dad said about his, his one stab at doing something outside of the royal family. Why don't you just shut up and take the money, you idiot? That's what we've been doing. And that's he's 100% right. That's what they've been doing up to this point is just shut up and take the money. I feel like You're this is a good like use ass. of money. Like, it, it sucked, but like... The idea of getting a whole bunch of celebrities together to like run obstacle courses for you is like, I think what I would do if I had an unlimited amount of wealth. Right. But then everybody would realize, wait a minute, you have an unlimited amount of wealth. Sure. There is that. you should probably pay tax. (laughs) And you should probably pay tax. When he said, just turn up and accept, he was being literal. Like, if you do this, you... uh, you're going to make them come for us. And he was correct. <laughs> uh, his team was pretty stacked though. Like uh, he had some British actors and broadcasters never heard of an opera singer, which was weird, but then he had Christopher Reeve. Uh, according to Wikipedia, he had Morrissey and Charles Bronson, but I did not see them in the show. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's, I saw that on Wikipedia, but further research on like anything never mentions that, uh, that Mr. T yeah. Charles Bronson and Morrissey were in this. I don't think they ever, I don't know what that is. I can absolutely com- uh, confirm that they weren't. I think I'm literally the only person in the entire country that still owns a copy of the original Playbill and uh, behind the scenes book, which tells you everyone who's there and yeah. what they did and has quotes from them. But what I do love is that Wikipedia page has become one of those pages where you can add anything to it. Yes. It can't possibly be more insane than what happened. Yeah, I remember before watching this when you brought it up, I looked at it and I'm like, fucking Mr. T's in this. Holy shit. Hell yes. Charles Bronson. Morrissey's in this. I can't wait to see Morrissey get killed by a cannonball. Like, this is amazing. (laughs) But uh, no, no, they're not in it and like blatantly not in it. You watch it and I was looking like, where's Mr. T? You're not going to miss Mr. T. Every event, I'm like, this is where I would put Mr. T. Oh, Mr. (laughs) T would kill this event this is seven years after world's best bouncer competition like you're gonna he's your ringer if you got mr t on your team yeah 1987 and nobody would pick morrissey would be the last picked morrissey would be like me on a kickball team in elementary school just like (laughs) sitting sitting on the bench looking sad 
Poor Mor- oh, Morrissey would be worse than that. Morrissey would be there basically saying, I don't want to get involved while absolutely wanting to be involved in every single <laughs> yeah, opportunity. Yeah. Everybody yeah. pay attention to how, how cool I am for this. What? Could you imagine if Mr. T's in an onion costume and Morrissey had to catch him? He'd be fucking gone. Holy shit. And that, and you know what's great? We're barely making up something more ridiculous than what actually happens. Like it's, it's, it's a little more, it's 10% more ridiculous than what actually happens, which we'll, uh, yes. which we'll get to afterwards. But, uh, oh, no, hold on. Hold on. The rest of his team was like all Olympic athletes. He had four Olympic athletes on his team and John Cleese and Christopher Reeve. So it's clearly like, let's stack this with fucking professional athletes and like my personal heroes. Like this guy, I think did it right. Stewart Hall called him out for that too. He said, "Like you're, you're you've got a team full of ringers here." <laughs> He's like, "This would be your chance to be charming and be like a little rascal or whatever." And he just kind right. of stumbles around and says nothing yeah. in particular <laughs> about <laughs> it. <laughs> the difference, though, that becomes very clear, though, I think, in the team setup very quickly is you're absolutely right. He has stacked the shit out of mm-hmm. his team, but he's done it in the way of someone playing like fantasy football for the very first time where they just pick the people whose names they recognize rather than actually building a solid team. And in the background, his sister is just undermining everyone else (laughs) by picking all the people who are actually good at things. Right. (laughs) So this is his first chance to shine in this game that he created, and he whiffs it. He whiffs it completely, as he will continue to do. Uh, One thing to clarify is that the four teams are led by the, the royal family, but the royal family does not participate in the games like it's beneath their dignity. I just find that right. fascinating. So they knew there was a line. They still thought there was a line to like, well, it's beneath our dignity to scoot on our butts across a muddy field, but to supervise butt scooting, to supervise Christopher Reeve as he scoots on his butt like a dog across a muddy field, <laughs> that's fine. But that's that's the history of monarchy. The, the history of monarchy's job is to watch as everyone else squirms around in the mud doing awful right. things whilst you cheer them on from the side. So the show works as an allegory. It's just not, uh, it doesn't work in any other way. <laughs> but what, but what an allegory. <laughs> the thing was the queen, the queen had specifically said she was only letting this really happen because Edward was massively at the time, her favorite, um, or her and Andrew, um, and both were up for it. So she had kind of said, look, if you're going to do this, you cannot in any way get involved. You know, divine right of kings or whatever. Do not get your hands dirty in this. But if you, I don't know if you spotted it, they do at multiple mm-hmm. points. They're in the mix. At, at the end, they hopped on a horse, I think. I don't know. It, it, I, one of the things, one of the problems I have with the show is I had no idea what was going on most of the no. time. The camera was always on the wrong thing. The announcers clearly weren't watching the monitor, so they're they're calling things that you're not looking at. And then the production team would try to cut to that, and you'd miss it. And uh, they generally did not introduce who we're looking at, so it's just sort of a blurry guy in a in a celery costume. <laughs> and you're like. I don't, <laughs> And yet, despite all of that, you get at least one shot of a bare ass, which is not something you expect to see on British TV in 1987 (laughs) on a a Sunday afternoon. Uh, Also, Rowan Atkinson is here uh, doing (laughs) opening the ceremonies. He says something now that we have this context of, of how this would go down for the royal family and everybody involved. He says something that was very unfortunate. To compete in games whose grandeur, glory and overwhelming silliness will be forever remembered. 
And it was. Yeah, it was. That's, called, that's called lampshading, Rowan. Well done. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he does so much fucking lampshading. It's it's the laziest writing, and it keeps coming up. The show actually opens with a line I wrote down where it says, uh, oh, it harkens back to the ancient time when every glade echoed to the chart-topping favorite, hey, nane, nane, no, which is not a punchline in any world. It's just like, isn't it silly that we're doing this very fancy thing Look at the silliness. And they just fucking loop through that same fucking shit. And Mr. Bean, like, I don't know. He just wallows in it. Every line out of his mouth is just like, fanciness, silliness. Aren't we wacky? To be fair, I think that was his bit at this point in time. Okay. <laughs> think- well, good good for him. I actually think uh, Princess Royal Anne, I think she kind of nailed it because she seemed to genuinely be too fancy for this and hated it. But yep. was kind of trying to have fun with it. And so I'm like, that's the vibe right there. Like, I don't know. Yeah. That's- she, she initially, the two royals that initially refused to do it were Prince Charles, now King Charles, mm-hmm. and Princess Anne. And Princess Anne said, this is an utterly silly idea. This is, this is not a thing we should be doing. Um, and then said, then Andrew said that, well, allegedly said, well, that's good because I was going to win it anyway. At which point <laughs> she said, she essentially said, right, I'll do it then. Yep. <laughs> And her team, she's got a soccer player, a cricket player, an Olympic hurdler, four singers I haven't heard of, a Formula One racer, a horse racer. Someone on Wikipedia added Kevin Klein, great addition to Wikipedia pranksters. And she's got fucking Walter no, Payton. I think Kevin, I think oh, Kevin, Kevin Klein's Klein there. Kevin Klein's really? in this. He was yeah, he was low-key, but he was in this. They mentioned him Holy by shit. name. Okay, I was, I was she's crazy. also got Kevin Klein, uh, Walter Payton, uh, greatest football player uh, uh, in the world at the time, and Tom Jones and Sheena Easton. Yep. So I, uh, team. the perfect I, team. Amazing. I, I think team. about that for a second at the point at which, remember, the team captains got to have an awful lot of choice on who they had on their teams. Is at some point that means Princess Anne has gone through some list and gone, I need Peyton mm-hmm. on my fucking team. Got him. She got sweetness. <laughs> I really need him to balance out Tom Jones. You know what I mean? Like there's two ends of a scale here, and I, we can't we can't go to Tom Jones. Mm-hmm. I need someone who loves to dance, running the ball like he's making romance. <laughs> someone who's not here to start no trouble. Someone who's here to do the Super Bowl shuffle. That's what we're looking for. And there's somebody it. that's exactly that. I was just making that up. It's amazing. <laughs> but the thing you got to remember as well is that he would have had no identity or recognition in the UK at the time. Yeah, of course. So, so that is absolutely a pick where she has gone right. There are skills I need on this team. And I have scoured the world for a sportsman who fits this profile. Yep. Um, Most of these events are just like darting in a direction and changing direction with like a lot of weight on you. So, I mean, Walter Payton can't get a better pick than that. It is. It is a great ringer. And, uh, and I think that's, yeah, that's where Edward fucked up is he picked people that, uh, that, that play sports certainly, but don't do it wearing 70 pounds of, of foam rubber. Like you need, if you had picked like the mascot from a hockey team, I bet that guy would have whipped ass. Oh, yeah, he'd be he'd be the king of this. He'd I be mean, the new king of England, probably. <laughs> this does suggest to me that one thing the XFL might want to think about is whether they need more potato and onion suits on that field <laughs> if they really want to compete with the NFL. There were some fucking moves in that. Well, we'll get we'll get to. It. I'm acting like there's context that will explain it. There's not. We, we'll I'm get to you. it, but it won't. That Nothing we have mentioned clearer. so far could be real and no one would know. I was an hour into this show and still trying to identify Mr. T's legs at the bottom of a costume. <laughs> yeah, like, I was looking for him. Guys, it's Mr. T. Time. I know it. 
<laughs> and they love they love like popping out somebody as a surprise that they're never mentioned because there's like 800 people on on these teams 800 celebrities and sometimes one of them will just pop up for like three seconds in an event and they'll be like, oh there he was you missed him mr yep. t mr t just tackled an onion he's out of here all right see you later see you later mr t <laughs> okay so the blue team uh fergie's team duchess of york uh notable members being meatloaf apparently <laughs> handpicked Handpicked, handpicked by by the Duchess of York. Needed he those looked, meatloaf skills. He looks so funny in this. He's he looks like a five year old in a Sub Zero costume <laughs> that got like hit with Hold a growth rate. He looks like a child Sub Zero is exactly what I had in my notes. <laughs> no way. He looks like a child Sub Zero because that's that's, that's hundred percent what it is. Yes. Oh, I just that is actually very funny. We didn't plan that, listeners. I uh, know, I know, we didn't plan that. But but if you see him during this, if you scan to him, the first time they show Meatloaf, you're like, oh, child Sub Zero. Mommy made a Sub Zero costume for her chubby little baby boy. Uh, she's also got uh, uh, she's got Paul McCartney and Jimmy Page on the team, according no, to Wikipedia. According to Wikipedia, but they're not. There. Uh, the Wikipedia also says all four members of Frankie goes to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Which I loved. I was just trying to, I was picturing this in my head that like Meatloaf, Paul McCartney, and Jimmy Page are there. And then all of Frankie goes to Hollywood walk in. And they're like, guys, you know what we should call ourselves? The Seven Music Legends, right? I legitimately uh, but I, think the editors of Wikipedia have just given up on that page. Yeah, they have to have because so there's, it's, it's so wrong, but it's also very high profile. And somebody's just messing with it so constantly. It's wonderful. <laughs> Who she definitely does have is Jane Seymour, Dr. Quinn. Yes, Dr. Woman, Quinn. And Meatloaf on her team. Uh, definitely doesn't have Paul McCartney <laughs> and Jimmy Page getting dive-tackled by Morrissey and Mr. T. Yeah, that's, that's, your first, that's your first Bond connection, by the way. That is the first of two right. Bond girls who are in this. And and a lesser Bond, of course. Uh, and a lesser yeah. Bond. George Lazenby. The great George Lazenby. The great George Lazenby, of course. Uh, who, what, what team have we forgotten? We haven't. Uh, that's done... Prince Andrew's team. Prince Andrew has. Uh, we, have, we haven't done Prince Andrew's team. An Green Olympic team. athlete named Judy Simpson. She was the uh, heptathlete who went on to become Nightshade on the British version of American Gladiators. Oh, of yeah, course. because I assume it's the same. It was the same with the American Gladiators, but obviously anyone who was black on Gladiators had to have a name that absolutely made that clear. So <laughs> yeah. Basically, had Nightshade and Shadow. Yeah, no, our like, black guy was Gemini. Oh, so you were slightly better no. than us then. Yeah, in your face once yeah. again. Yeah, we solved racism first. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, it's all done now. It's done. We named Black Eye Gemini instead of uh, instead of Black Shadow, instead of like whatever. Doberman or whatever. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, he had he had George Lassenby, Michael Palin, uh, Margot Kidder was on that. Yeah, team. and Sounds John Superman. Travolta. Surprise, John Travolta for like <laughs> yeah. two seconds. Like literally, it's the best moment when he when he comes out. And yeah, he really makes the most of his two seconds. <laughs> uh, they seem shocked too. I don't know that they knew he was going to do that. Uh, but he seems stuck with uh, soccer players. It looked like so he kind of had some ringers too. Yeah, everybody tried to bring like a few celebrities that'll just be fun, which makes it so good that Fergie's was meatloaf. I just. Yeah. Who's a fun celebrity I've always wanted to meet? Meatloaf, of course. Meatloaf, that's it. I guess Dr. Quinn, that's it. <laughs> Won't his size make everything difficult for him? Like, it, yeah. Yeah, he's going to have a rough time out there. <laughs> uh, so we have several people here. Uh, no, no one of them truly wanting to do this except for Edward. Andrew is here, and I. it's good you, you called that out because Prince Andrew 
what I have in my notes is that he's just here to whip ass. Like he only wants to do this seriously as a competition to prove something to his siblings. Yeah, as always, Prince Andrew's goal is to beat Prince is to beat Princess Anne because he has a massive inferiority complex around her because she outranks him in the military and still does. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> uh, and she she is here to just not really want to take part in this and effortlessly shut the whole thing down. Like, did, did you great. did you did you write down what she says in her answers to Stuart Hall's questions when he asks her what she's looking to get out of it? Um, I might have a clip of that. What, 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 what did she say here? And so I think Stuart Hall asked her like, what are your tactics going to be? And she's just like, well, very cool, calm and collected. And he's like, well, will there be excitement? And she's like, not until we've won. Oh yeah. <laughs> until we've won. And she yeah. goes on to say, she goes on to say. Could you possibly describe one or two of your team? Like Emlyn Hughes, he's hardly laid back. No, this is a team effort. Um, I describe them as the red perils. <laughs> The Red Perils, have you a war cry for us, Mum? No, no, I told you we're the strong silent type. <laughs> the strong silent type. Silent. Thank you. Silent, silent. silent. S, silent. S. See so if you can work that one out. So, yes, I will. S for silent. Thank you. Good luck to you. <laughs> she just yells at him. He spoke wrong a little bit, and she just calls him out publicly and yells at him for, <laughs> for like 15 seconds. Excuse me, did you just say Thailand? Are you an idiot? Are you an actual idiot? You know, you know it's an essence. She spends this whole thing prowling the sidelines like she's fucking Napoleon. Yeah. And it is glorious in every way. It, she's I'm, really... I'm a committed Republican, but and there are many like me who watched this as a kid and were just like, I want either a Republic or Princess Anne on the throne. <laughs> like, you want to feel bad for that guy because he just slightly misspoke. But once again, uh, reminder, he was a prolific child predator at this point. So uh, she was right. She was right, right to do this. A hundred percent right. Right to criticize him. Uh, she probably didn't pick the right battle. <laughs> she might not have known, but he deserved it anyway. Uh, we get she, to the- she, you could tell she was into it. Like when they would cut to her during events, she was so fucking pumped. Like just like enthusiastically cheering for her team. Right. But never when like the camera was on her. They they cut yeah, to her on she- the sidelines and she's off there like talking like very sternly to people and pointing and like planning right. tactics and but stuff. They, and then they, they cut her on camera and she's like, yeah. oh, so I just showed up. Yeah, she doesn't want us to know, but she was into this. And you see immediately like that attitude is just fucking drives Prince Andrew insane. Like that's why he's spent his whole life in her shadow is just, just <laughs> trying to deal with that dichotomy right there. She turned up in full military uniform at Prince Charles's coronation and walked in walked into that walked into that abbey, flicked off her coat like she was freaking Zukov in Death of Stalin, like just medals everywhere, and then just went and sat at the front because she knew full well that four seats over from her was Prince Andrew, who has been banned from wearing any military uniform for reasons for the rest of his life. God. That's so good. Oh, that's so good. I, I liked her a lot in this, but I, I didn't have the ammunition to know why. And now I do. That's wonderful. Uh, we get to our first game, uh, which is Call Out the Guards. Uh, I'm I'm not going to explain the rules here because I don't think there are any. And they yeah. also don't explain yes. what the rules are. They, they seem chaos. to think... They seem to first forget that they have to explain the rules. Then sometimes they'll remember that they have to at least explain the name of the game, which they'll sometimes do after the event. And uh, if they do have to explain the rules, they'll often tell you, so 
knockout fans will know what we mean. And and it's just this show has been off the air for for several years at this point. No, they won't. <laughs> and they won't. But uh we have I believe it's Fergie who plays a Joker on the first game. Uh, this is never explained at any point throughout. You will get it through context that if they right. play a Joker and they win, it means, or I think just yeah, anything they do, it doubles. Just doubles your points. Yeah. But and they don't, get, they don't get two. There's yeah, no get two. reason for a team. It offended me on every level that they get to play their Joker twice. It's like, where right. is the logic in that? Just let them play it once. That's what a Joker should be there for. And you also don't know that until it's over and they've only played two. At no point do you know what the Joker is, that they can play it, much less that they can play it multiple times. Uh, they also did not explain this game, so they just they fire a cannon and say, call out the guards, and fucking absolute madness <laughs> unfolds. Yeah. Just a Can't riot. Tell anyone is. A clown riot full yeah. of royal families and celebrities. <laughs> uh, they run out in, like, dumpy, inflated armor with clown shoes on. They all assemble around a crank uh, with a rope attached to a cannon and then they start spinning. And as they spin, they must leap over the rope every time in this very, very elaborate gymnastic way that flares their skirts up because they're also all wearing skirts. And it's just spinning and skirts and flailing and twirling and smoke and explosions. There are cannons. And when the cannon gets close enough, it actually fires. And uh, this, this doesn't just look like chaos uh it actually was sort of unplanned uh if, if you're watching the cannon fire that starts the event goes off in the middle of her yeah. announcement yeah can i can i read out what i wrote down as the as my notes on this because i tr- i thought i thought i would be clever and try and actually write down what they were doing and i failed miserably yeah, go yeah ahead. my notes are barbara windsor who's the the weird person she was big in sex comedies in the 70s um okay. Barbara Windsor drowned out as they start firing cannons into a lake at a theme park. Barbara cackles her sex comedy laugh. The crowd cheers. The explosions and smoke obscure the cameras. Contestants in fat suits start running around. We are a perfectly normal and sensible country. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very that's accurate. Close uh, to what I wrote. I did not write sex comedy laugh, though. No, but for real, my notes say... Um, I didn't know who won because I was in my notes typing. I can't tell what the fuck is going on. And while I was typing that, that second I looked away, the, something happened and it stopped. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what happened. <laughs> no, it was. it's never clear what happens or why. And uh, it's only clear that it's pure madness. Now, what starts the, the whole games off is, uh, I believe it was Prince Andrew who fired the cannon too soon. And you can hear yeah, that. He, he cheats because he sees his sister's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> he fires a cannon too soon uh, to kick off the games. And uh, Stuart Hall says, uh, another two feet closer to the camera and he would have blown my bloody head off. I was sent flying. And he does say that later on in the competition uh, when he's walking by uh, another judge with a gun who's, turning, who's firing the guns off. He says, uh, well, don't blow my head off. The last time the gun went off, it singed my eyebrows. <laughs> oh, yes, it did. It blew them off. So people laugh and he starts to like walk away like like he's playing a bit. Oh, it blew up my eyebrows. And somebody's like, ha that didn't happen. It's like, yes, it did. I almost died. died. So at some point, the first game of this very nearly kicked off with a a member of the royal family exploding the head of a pedophile with a cannon. Purely because he didn't want his sister to beat him in a game. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's how it starts. And uh 
And it does not get better from there. This game has everything. The promise of Mr. T. Child predators getting their head blown off. Pettiness among brothers and sisters. It's basically as if like the writers of Friends went back in time and wrote what they thought Britain is like. Right. Yeah, that's it does feel like a real ignorant person's idea of what the royal family gets up to. You see what I mean? Like I, when I when I watched yeah. it, I was like, this feels racist against British people. It can't be <laughs> it can't be like this. Of course, surely it's not this. Uh, they do go to the, the when they go to the scoreboard. They have it being held by the world's strongest man, which I thought was a nice touch. Um, uh, how big is that scoreboard? Would you say? Uh, I mean, a normal sized guy could could hold it. Uh, this it's it's very well explained though. Like the the event we just saw was complete madness. Uh, we don't know who was in it. We don't know who won. We don't know what the rules were. But then the scoreboard is just some fucking numbers. This team has this many. This team has this many. And they spend, I would say, 40 minutes explaining that. But so not the short, what the numbers the short person who's to. doing the announcing, doing the score announcing, by the way, is a, is a British magician called Paul Daniels. So you you guys got Penn and Teller. We got Paul Daniels, who is very much a discount version. Um, mm-hmm. But never, ever, ever Google Wizbit, which is the kid's TV character he invented. Um, and oh. it's a genuine horror to all mankind. Um, Wiz- yeah, oh, so I, I fucking already betrayed you. Oh, no. <laughs> he's a little, he's like a little triangle monster. Lovable, lovable TV kids character, Wizbit, who Jesus I believe Christ. is meant to be oh. a magician's hat, but is a, a legitimate nightmare, n- nightmare fuel for it's an entire a, generation. It's a Pizza the Hut Muppet baby. <laughs> 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 okay. It's the sex toy of that, I think. Is let's land on that. Yeah, there the you sex go. toy of Pizza the Hut Muppet Baby. <laughs> uh, okay, so I believe, I believe here because a Joker was played, which uh, is only explained after the effect when, Stu- when Stuart Hall says, "As you know, knockout buffs the points automatically double." No, you didn't, uh, but you do, <laughs> I guess, at this point retroactively. Uh, Red, which is which is the Royal Princess Anne's team. Uh, wins, uh, and the the man who staffed his team with ringers and did this whole thing to make himself look good, uh, Prince Edward, loses really badly and is not taking it well. Like he he's throwing a mini fit and trying not to get caught on TV throwing it. <laughs> like, Giant first, baby. First first event, he just flubbed his only performance, lost last place in the first event, and throwing a, a little tantrum about it. Uh, a he- member of the green team got his his skirt on his chubby chummy arbor costume caught in whatever this device was oh, right and they have to strip him down to i guess he was wearing pantyhose i don't know why they had to wear pantyhose only pantyhose and uh you see him walk off in his pantyhose and and briefs that, that is gary lineker arguably at that point one of the greatest footballers in the world mid-season this is still while the football season is going on. He is a Barcelona player. He should be in Spain. Oh, and yet he has flown over to do this. And you, you sit and think, there's no way the insurance on what that would work. In yeah. modern, in right. What sport. if he got hurt twirling in a fat suit with clown shoes over a cannon, <laughs> which already almost killed somebody? How do you even say that in Spanish? <laughs> like, how do you explain that to your manager at Barcelona, that that's what you need to do? Lo siento, fue muy estupido. <laughs> that about covers it. All right, we move on to the next game, which they forget to name for now, and we'll tell you later. So I'll do the same thing. Uh, are you, you going to skip over the judges? Because the judges really don't need to be skipped over. Okay, okay, go, for, go ahead for the judges. Because <laughs> the judges are your four judges who look like they're straight out of Hogwarts and who are genuine British aristocrats. They are not mentioned again. 
They never right. show up again. Um, but they are the Duke of Westminster, the Duke of Gloucester, the Duke of Roxburgh, and the Duke of Albacorn. And without spending much time on them, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to take you a question here. Duke of Westminster, Gerald, the first one up. How much do you think he is worth in dollars? Oh, that dog show is worth a lot. Yeah, in dogs or dollars? In dogs, he's like 17. Duke of dogs, the Duke of dogs here, he's got to be why, $20 million. That man is worth $13 billion. Oh my God. He is, he is the largest landowner. His family are the largest landowner in like forever because they've been around forever. Um, he is the reason that the US Embassy had to move in London to their new site because he owned the land it was on and they tried to buy it off of him for an obscene amount of money. Um, and both he and his father turned around and said, we won't sell it to you, but we will swap it for the land you took off took off us during the American Wars of Independence. And the government, so, US government said, well, it's not really what we do, but if you tell us what it is, maybe. Um, and he said, I believe you call it North Florida these days. <laughs> that would have been a good trade. We should have done that. That is a good trade. Yeah, yeah, I would trade I Florida for the embassy. Well, but. Yeah. Give that, give that back to the crown. It would have been, it would have been going much better than it is right now. Yeah, I mean the others are only worth generally between about sort of twenty and two hundred million quid. Ah, oh. you know they're they're lowball next Poor to the Duke of Westminster. There's no it's, reason for them to be there, like you say, like they just they just isn't. Yeah, they don't show up again. I didn't think they were important because they they showed up for I want to say a grand total of fifteen seconds. Each of them said something you immediately forgot while you were talking. Right. And then they are never shown again. Okay. I didn't assume that that would be the collective like GDP of a continent. Right there. <laughs> yeah. 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 What you essentially have there is, is the, is the, is the GDP of what would rank as a, as a think number eight sized country in Europe between them. Not too bad. <laughs> okay. And then they're gone. They're gone. And we're playing a game that, uh, that we don't know the name of. We do know Christopher Reeve, uh, does not enjoy it. <laughs> they, they cut to each of them for their, <laughs> For their impressions, and they say something, you know, very generically sporting until Christopher Reeve, who says, I'm in trouble here. This is not my element. I don't yeah. think he knows what's happening. Like, I don't That's think the grouchiest I've ever seen Christopher Reeve, and he had a real rough end of life. <laughs> yeah, he seemed much more game for, for some other stuff. Than uh, he's living He's living in London at this point. He's just done Superman 4, and he's just got divorced. It is not a oh, high okay. point in his life. Yeah, that would explain it. <laughs> he's a giant among him. children. Like, Christopher Reeve is, what, like 6'3", and he is just towering over these people. He towers over Barry McGuigan, the boxer, who I think comes after him, who just says, when, he, when Stuart Hall asks him, like, what do you want to do? He just says, I just want to get out there without Tom Jones throwing a ham at me. If he hits me, I'm going to go get him and I'm going to drown him. And now I thought I thought there was some slang uh, going on here. Yep. I thought there were some colloquialisms I didn't understand. And then they start the game and Tom Jones is at a table throwing hams. <laughs> just throwing hams and cackling away. Happily. So <laughs> magical. So this game, which they did not explain or even name before they started doing it, sees uh, Christopher Reeve scooting scooting ass first like a dog over a spinning log over a pond while Tom Jones in, in a fancy dress costume uh, throws inflatable hams at him and just really enjoys it maybe a little bit too much. Uh, <laughs> he, I mean, he commits. You got to give it to him. Tom Jones yeah. can fucking throw a ham. I want to say Christopher Reeve is very good at this. Like he is majestic at log hump. He's just- He, he consistently boom. gets across that pole yeah. and no one else does. Exactly. The hams do nothing. He's taking hams straight to the head. Doesn't fuck his composure up at all. Just 
And Tom Jones is oh, Tom Jones is landing those hits. He's he's headshotting Christopher Reeve with a ham. You think this is the first time Tom Jones has thrown a ham? <laughs> well, well, he asks scoots across this log uh, for the royal family. <laughs> the, the person throwing hams alongside Tom Jones, by the way, is Jenny Agatha, who you probably would know if you saw her in a film because she's the um, main woman in American Werewolf in London. Okay. Oh, hey, yeah, okay. I, I did not recognize her or a lot of these. Uh, a lot of oh, even even by British standards of the time, a lot of these people are C list at best. That's the impression I got. Is this is like celebrity apprentice? Like, yeah, like you go from C list to S level, like just yeah. with no warning between the celebs. You have you get one meatloaf on your team, and then the rest <laughs> the rest have to be you know not. It, it's not basically like Warhammer Forty K. You have a certain amount of points you allocate to, allow to exactly. allocate to your team, and you get a couple of superstars, and then everyone else just gets bargain bin. Across yeah, you the board. burnt your spend on meatloaf, and now you only got so, peons. Yeah, that's too bad. That's too you bad. got you Kevin Klein. Now you got to take the four members of Frankie Goes to Hollywood, but not even them. You you get them added to your Wikipedia twenty years later. <laughs> yeah. Smart. The, the smart move is to is to spend your points and stock your front line with Tom Jones ham th- ham throwers. <laughs> Tom Jones ham hookers can like three of them together will take down a meatloaf. <laughs> now the smart move is to spend it all on Walter Payton, who no one else in the entire country has fucking heard of at that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So now that that game's over, we explained that was called the ASDA Marathon, and this is an important uh, bit. These games have sponsors. Yes! The games are sponsored. So they went to large businesses and explained what they were going to be doing and why, and the large businesses said, yes, please attach our name to the one where Superman humps the log while Tom (laughs) Jones hits him in the face with hams. We would like that very much. To be fair, Asda is essentially British Walmart and is now owned by Walmart. So I can absolutely see Walmart going, yeah, I'd do that. We'll back that. <laughs> Walmart, Walmart's Tom Jones ham hookers. Yes, of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, our next game is called Ghost of Alton Towers. Okay, uh, this one was fucking weird to me because the interviews were about ghosts. And I thought, this is definitely slang. Tom Jones throwing hams. Sure, that was literal. But the ghost must mean like a ringer, right? No, no, no. Uh, before we explain anything or play the game, uh, two jokers are played, uh, Edward and I, I, I think it's it's Andrew plays the other yeah, one. Yeah, it's, it's Andrew. Andrew is the other joker. Yeah. So they both you can both play jokers and both decide that you get double points, uh, which does not make sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, yeah. nothing here does or ever will. Uh <laughs> So this this they start this game and I believe the first competitors I did not catch their names the two Olympic athletes, uh, they frantically start hopping. Uh, they're not like tied together in a sack. You just have to hop. So they start hopping while gathering roses placed about a field, and from behind them uh, a giant foam rubber ghost, a headless ghost, thunders down the field, and he you think like maybe he's going to tag or whatever. He just fucking tackles one of the ladies. Yes. Just, it's just really fucked up to the ground, and you're like, "Oh shit, this is real." They're really, they really should be scared. And then they they reach the end, and uh, that's when we reveal that scoring the scoring is either time or roses. Never explained which one is going to be which or how they apply. But uh, right. somebody gets roses, somebody gets time. Somebody gets roses. the the. It was Judy Simpson, the one that did not get tangled. She's she's nightshade. Yeah, and I wrote that she was a beautiful gazelle. I mean, she's just she like horizontally like bounding like a like a kangaroo, 
while uh, the other lady is just getting mauled by an unknown celebrity in a costume. It seemed like he was like, still, right? He was still attacking her while she was down. Yeah, like it's over. <laughs> and he's like, ah. That's Debbie Flintoff, who is, it was an Australian gold medal hurdler. So that, and that was Princess <laughs> Anne's choice again. So she is 100% going for the win on that one. But yeah, she you know should what? have she won. Like gets, that's on paper. That's a great choice. This effect. She yeah. gets utterly taken out. I think, I think it's Viv Richards, the cricketer. The giant okay. cricketer who does yeah. it. And had great. no mercy on her for being no like a woman. Just no came mercy. out there, knocked her straight to the ground, and then mauled her like a bear. Well, <laughs> yeah. they, actually, they actually carry her off injured. You can see it in the back of the show. <laughs> She's being carried off injured. Then her teammates come and carry her off injured in like the, the, the third game we played. Just mauled by a ghost. Uh, I, I just <laughs> wrote it in my notes again and I underlined twice who is in ensuring this. <laughs> it's it's utter like it's utter madness and it's so early. Uh, I love this too because I, I just watched Physical 100 on Netflix and in that show it's about a bunch of like Korean muscle men and women like kind of just torturing themselves and it's it, they'll take the same event and just wring it dry across five episodes. So I really like this where it's just like behold the strangest event you've ever seen. Next. An even more bizarre thing. Perhaps hearkening to some event to a custom. Next! Like, just fucking... There's no time to explain what it is, who won, how the score works, or why. We're already doing something crazier, and everybody's hurt. It's just just an endless progression of that that escalated quickly memes, just back to back. (laughs) So they cut... They cut to uh, to Fergie's team, who won? Uh, And here's the showmanship she displays. Let me ask the Duchess of York, were you pleased with that performance, ma'am? Were you pleased? Oh, yeah, it's brilliant. Do I have to say anything else? Is your voice coming, ma'am? No. Oh. All right, let's go and find out what was happening elsewhere. <laughs> Do I have to say anything else? No. It's your show, lady. Fucking, you can let's kick go. that guy into the pond if you wanted. <laughs> let's go somewhere else. Nothing to specify. Let's throw it to wherever. Let's just do something else. <laughs> and then Sarah up. Hardcastle, who's her contestant, who's her contestant, I think it's her contestant, is only 17 when she's put in this event. And having seen how just heavily taken out Debbie Flinter was, you can just imagine her lining up and just sitting there going, what have yeah. I gotten myself into? You have to you, legally. You have to tell me if Walter Payton is in the ghost costume. <laughs> like, I'm, not, I'm not running down this field with Walter Payton fucking barreling at me like a freight train. He would just get missed it. He wouldn't even know he hit her. <laughs> he would just be, he would collect all of the roses yeah. at the end and be like, "Did I do it right?" Nobody explained what this is. <laughs> just be like a straight sort of street fighter move, just going straight through her. Yeah, charge back forward and destroy seventeen year old. <laughs> uh, so uh, this fan ends. Edward Edward comes in third, leaving him still dead last, and he is so unhappy. This is all his idea. He's throwing a little fit. He's no longer having fun, uh, and it, he was terrible when he was having fun. And Scoreboard's was, already falling apart as well. Scoreboard has already given up and it's falling apart. Right, because in each event, sometimes they'll write down points and sometimes they'll write down times, and they never compare like how they stack up to each other or why, and then they'll declare a winner. And so it's just it's just chaotic. It's being held by the world's strongest man, and it's half his size and made out of magnets. <laughs> it's, it's a goddamn wreck. Yeah, I feel like calls him fat, and he has, and and you can see you can see Jeff Capes almost almost clock him and realize he's live on TV. Yeah, and yeah. yep. I think he, he, he does. He got his hand up. He kind of gave him a little pat on the head, but he was like, "That was almost a, a bash." 
Right, and that was a that was a little bit. That, you can play that up as a little bit, but they try it again later. He says something about like how he, I was having trouble navigating around him or whatever, and you can see him get jostled a little bit. Like mm-hmm. he definitely put an elbow into his back. That was not for a cute bit. It was just like yeah. you. Yeah. I told you to fucking watch it. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> so uh, now. I don't- I feel like the show could use some graphics, like the Battle of the Network Stars. Uh, if you've ever heard of that, uh, this was like a, a show from the '70s where they'd get like TV actors and soap opera actors and you know C-listers and athletes, and they would just sort of like do tug of war and shit. It was exactly this, but despite being ten years earlier, it makes this look like a school play. Like it would say, like, "Hey, here's Linda Carter from the television show Wonder Woman," and they would say her name on the TV screen. This is. Uh, it doesn't do either one of those things. So it's just like, here's a guy running past that. I was like frantically looking people up on Wikipedia. Like, who the fuck was that guy supposed to be? <laughs> Trying to identify him by the legs because everybody's wearing a full yeah. mask. One of these comedy. is Mr. T, I know it! <laughs> Even at the time, though, this was like, you would have those graphics on TV in the UK as well. We had shows like mm-hmm. The Krypton Factor, which was all special effects and all of this. So this looked bargain bin even yeah. at the time. Yeah, you can tell it's not. It's not put together like it was it was knocked together in a night by the least competent royal and a and a child molester. Like it was not <laughs> it was not executed very well by an elite team. At a theme park. So he was somewhat distracted. Oh, right. Jesus. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, we'll be cutting that. OK. Yes. <laughs> we have a new thing we do. We clap when we say things like that. So we know where to cut it. Good plan. <laughs> and we never do. Yeah, uh, we never do. We probably won't this time either. <laughs> All right, so so Edward's throwing his little fate. It's time for the next game, which is McDonald Restaurants Knock a Night. I can't believe this response. It's like the British Royal Kingdom, brought to you by Ronald McDonald. <laughs> nonsense. Uh, brought to you by McDonald's. Uh, this they have a big bag. They swing at, at night dummies while instructed by another team member up top. Uh, it, Blue plays another Joker before the rules are explained. To be clear to the listeners, uh, they're, they're blinded. Like one person has a big bag and they're blinded and, and they, well, they throw was, the bag. Okay. It sounded like you skipped over It was going in chronological order to, to try to- oh, Of course. Sorry to Explain the chaos. So you're, you're explained that, that they, they swing a big bag at the Knights while another team member instructs them. Uh, Fergie plays a Joker here. Again, the first time you're like, wait, you can do that? now so for the rest what? of the for the rest of the match you're like can they just do that whenever and uh they start to explain more rules and then they run out and put a big goofy mask on the player uh because they forgot to tell you that they're blindfolded <laughs> yes and then they explain at this point after they put a big goofy bearded guy mask they say and now he's blindfolded he can't see through that and then they start going <laughs> so last a, last a made big goofy edition. mask that looks exactly like a really really bad caricature of jeff capes the world's strongest man <laughs> is that it what that's supposed kinda, to be? Yeah. <laughs> is this uh, is all it, yeah, was that intentional? Is this yeah, Jeff Cape's burn? No, I, I thought this <laughs> was sort of, a, of me! sort of a Beyond Thunderdome gulag situation uh, <laughs> where it was some sort of last minute punishment for the player since it really seemed like they just ran it out at the last minute. So they run out, they throw it on, and they're like, yeah, by the way, he's blindfolded, go. I don't think you knew entirely that you were going to be blindfolded going into this. Uh, and I don't think the instruction reflects that because the green team goes first. I don't remember who the lady is, but she, her instructions, the very first thing she says are pull it back really far and push it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's Fiona Fullerton, who is our right. second Bond girl of the Bond evening. Girl. She plays uh, exactly. Polar Ivanova, I think it is. Uh-huh. The, 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 the one. Uh, the, um, well, yeah, that's the one. 
She's known uh, for her strategy, clearly. Uh, pull it back and push it. That's about as helpful <laughs> as she gets. <laughs> the whole <laughs> so, thing is sex comedy level. I mean, I, I wrote down a couple of quotes from her, and it's it's push it, push it straight, Gary. Push it hard. Push it really hard. <laughs> Will... <laughs> Gary I think did it, it was designed. Uh, yeah, I think it was designed because every one of these, uh, they a few of them will get like rotate to a certain degree or whatever. Most of them are just like, give it to me. Give it to me. I'm right here. I'm waiting. Give it to me hard. <laughs> Don't knock that night out of the way and come inside of me. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> poured it into my mouth meatloaf. <laughs> meaty. She calls uh, him meaty. Uh, you know who's great at this? Walter fucking Payton. They don't when reveal he, that it's Walter Payton. And yeah, they, some so, guys out there just reckon it. Clears the whole set of bowling pins. Yeah, you, This is also how, I, how I, I, I dispute your thing that they didn't know this was coming because that's Jenny Agatha again That's um, who's doing the, 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 the instructing. Mm-hmm. And if you listen, she's clearly got a code language with him. It's like she's saying stuff like turn watch and ring ring and they're all yeah. military terms. So I think Anne had them ruthlessly briefed as yep. to how they should do this. Yeah, I think they told some people what was happening and not others. I think that probably came down to the team leader. So I think like Anne was was briefing and planning. She approached him. Whereas Prince him. Andrew was like, do your best. Well, Don't I thought it was, disappoint me. <laughs> I thought it was really funny because when it was revealed it was Walter Payton, and they interviewed like how he did so well. He's oh, like, I got that. Oh, you got the clip? Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, they don't tell you that it's Walter Payton. So somebody just fucking cleans up. He cleans up the whole thing. So good that he keeps going after they're all knocked down. And they forget, everybody celebrates and they forget to tell him that he's killed everybody around him. (laughs) So he's still just swinging away. They're like, wait, wait, stop, stop. They're all dead. You've done it. And so now they take off the costume just now and reveal that it's Walter Payton of the Chicago Bears. And they cut to him for an interview for his strategy. Uh, and it, it's some really good tactics by Walter. He says, uh, What I did was I lined myself up before we started and I just pushed it straight and I knew it would come back. So that's what I did. Just raised my arms out and it came back. Absolutely marvelous. Absolutely marvelous. I love it because it almost sounds sarcastic because it's so stupid and simple, but being really good at something stupid and simple is like what made him a world champion. But you can also see how overjoyed Anne is in the background shot yeah. because he bends down and she knights him with a wooden sword, yes. which I think might technically be valid. I think technically well, he might be Sir Walter Payton. And then my note's like, wait, doesn't that count? <laughs> what, else, what else is needed for that to count? Uh, Her Majesty Anne, Princess Royal, is super into this, for the record. And it gave us a new knight in Sir Walter Sir, Payton. Sir Walter of Payton uh, got it for his prowess on the battlefield. Killed eight knights. <laughs> In, in six seconds. Uh, <laughs> Yellow team is a disgrace. I had that in my notes that uh, the thrower was uh, Duncan Goodhue. Uh, he's a swimmer and he was getting screamed at by an opera singer named uh, Dame Kirite Kanawa. And uh, they did not do very well. Yeah, they did terrible. It's like idiocracy. Remember in idiocracy when uh, the third Wilson brother is uh, beef supreme and he's like, Played to the crowd like, oh, do, is he this way? And it was like, no, no, he's not that way. It, it, it reminded me of that because like the uh, screamer is, hey, to your left. And he just goes to his right. And uh, it's just, it's so funny. At some point in here, Anne gets way too into it and runs out to protest a point. I think uh, for yeah. Andrew's team, was it, was it, no, Anne? It's, it was, it's, it's yellow. It's, it's Edward. It's Edward's it's, um, she does it here because it, she claims that Duncan Goodhue stared, like pushed over one of the knights because he stumbled into it when he yeah. was being an idiot and falling over. 
So this is the first time we see them like, no, no, this is not fun in games. Right. Like, we are now she, starting to She is this. straight up arguing with, with, with the magician Paul Daniels about this. She, she is looking like she will behave. Very serious, yeah. She's like, by royal tradition, the armor must be knocked, not by bumblebee, but rather a proper ball sacking. <laughs> the thing is, I've got scrolled down in my notes, isn't this why we have judges that we saw for 15 seconds? Right. Yes. And they, if, I, they, they're off screen and they'll, they'll occasionally say, well, the judges have decided, but they will never. They just don't care. Again. They're like, he would have hit it anyway because he was like lined up with it. Was their logic. They explained that several times. That like, no, 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 he would have hit it anyway. The four richest men in the world have decided. <laughs> have, have decided Walter Payton whips ass, objectively. The, the literal Illuminati have ruled on this. <laughs> That's, that, that is what They've happened. decided, surprisingly, the rich people have decided the rules don't matter. Like everyone thinks the Illuminati are out there running the world, and really they're just judging it's a knockout tournament <laughs> all over the place. That's, that's what it looks like. This is how, this is robot jocks rules. This is how world conflict is decided, really. Like, we think it's the war. That's entertainment. It, it's all decided here. Now, as she runs back, as she runs back, shuts down. God, they, don't, they don't side with Princess Anne. She gets shut down. The, the Illuminati shuts her down. And uh, in the background, you can hear Stuart Hall says, you can bet there'll be protests about you, Meatloaf. But we don't understand why. <laughs> what? What the fuck happened? What did Meatloaf say? Stuart Hall is not wrong, by the way. There will be protests about Meatloaf, but for other reasons. So we never know why. There's so much that happens off camera. I think camera. he brought too much corn syrup awareness to the British people. Like, <laughs> <laughs> then they throw some protests about it. So Meatloaf, Meatloaf is up next in his in his mommy made my Sub-Zero costume. Don't make fun of it. Uh, so I do actually know why I have, again, I have done nerd research into this. Oh, you know? Um, oh, more, God, I know I, why they, I need they to know. say they're going to be complaints. Meatloaf's trousers have already broken before he actually gets down to do the thing. <laughs> they don't have time to change them. Meatloaf is, is sack out when he's doing this. <laughs> and there's an instruction to the cameraman, cameraman to not shoot it in a way that shows that Meatloaf is is from the wrong angle <laughs> broadcasting is, sack is, is, is playing okay picture him with the, playing this entire game with his dick out with, his, with all of his genitals hanging Incredible. out because he's meatloaf and that's a meatloaf moment what well, there's a 13 minute jim steinman song about it somewhere i'm sure <laughs> it's, there's 18 choruses there's four, 400 people singing in stacked melodies all about meatloaf's testicles and how they defeated the night the greatest knights of britain yeah, but they don't announce that it's him. It's like they start it, and I mean, I, I you can identify him by his penis, of course. Yeah. But like but then it's, the screamer is calling him meaty, which yeah. kind of gave it away. Also, there's not a lot of people who have like four foot wide American asses. Yeah, in this competition. I assume that there's like they don't that they just call him meaty because they're not going to do a surprise reveal first because his dick is out. I mean, there's only one contestant whose dick is out, and you know it's going to be Meatloaf. But yeah, they call him. Uh, his his announcer, his caller, calls him meaty the whole time, and I have a I have a clip of that because I love yes. the, I love the many meaties that happen here. Now, meaty, eleven o'clock, meaty. That's yes. No, twelve o'clock, twelve o'clock. Go for it, twelve o'clock, meaty. Go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> meaty, coming back. If you try that again, try that, that again, meaty. Done, twelve o'clock, yeah. Yes. Go for it, it's meaty. Go, yes. Got it. Try that once more. Yeah. Okay. It's the. It's the cutscene from 
Paradise by the Dashboard Lights right there. <laughs> See, counterfa- counterfactual, I wonder, like, is she shouting Meaty to a vo- to tell him what to do? Or does she not know that he doesn't know that he's balls out at this point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, is she talking to him or his crotch? <laughs> you got your meatballs out. Meatballs are out, matey. <laughs> I, I love that. Yeah. They, they, meaty sticks, by the way. They, they will call him Meaty again later in this competition. It's a good nickname. I wonder if he started that or if they just decided it because it's it's wonderful. Meatloaf <laughs> chaotically knocks over like six nights with his dick <laughs> out. It's a really good job for a big drunk guy. He actually so falls down. Know, it's funny. You know empirically that Meatloaf enjoyed this because he turns up in the sequel. Okay. For real? I, I could tell from his boner, but like I didn't, I didn't realize that he showed up for a second one of these. <laughs> there is, there is a sequel to this about a year later, in which they go big. They they realize the Royals are a bad idea, and they're not having nothing to do with it. But it's basically the U.S. versus the U.K. versus Australia, and Meatloaf is the captain of the U.S. team. Nice. Fantastic. With a performance like this, you know he's cool under pressure because he's still he's still knocked down six with his dick out. That's the that's the man I want leading my armies. I don't know. I don't know what your qualifications are for a leader. Uh, Princess Anne, basically, she just looks like a triumphant general throughout this entire round. Uh-huh. Yeah, once again, once again, just just dominating. They they beat every. They will not be shut down. And Walter Payton it just murdered everything around him as as he always does. He came out of the blood feud and was just like, "What well, did I do good, everybody? I'm a knight now. All right." <laughs> uh, now we cut back to the Asda Marathon, which was the the event where they crotch scoot over a log while the hams are thrown at them. That's yeah. right. Uh, one of the events is broken up into rounds that take place in between other rounds. So they again did not tell you that, and we'll just be randomly jumping back and forth to people scooting around with hams being thrown at their heads. Uh, this time, this time John Cleese is at the ham table, uh, and I, I just struck me how completely at home he's he must be. Like this is. A Monty Python sketch. Yeah, this absolutely. Is, he must be the only one who's like, oh, I know exactly what to do here. <laughs> I, I actually spoke to Michael Palin about this this event once at a book signing. Um, and I think I might have been the only person who had ever asked him about It's a Knockout. Um, and he did tell me that the person who enjoyed it most out of everyone was John Cleese. That's and that John fantastic. Cleese, when they kind of sat through the rehearsal, having to watch the military, because the military did the rehearsal of this, watch the military doing it and every other celebrity's looking ag- aghast, John Cleese just kept hysterically laughing and shouting, I want to be a potato, make me a potato. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so wait they, the military did the rehearsals for this, but they still made him dress up as the potatoes? <laughs> they still made him dress up in the costume? They had the British Signal Corps fresh back from the Falklands deployment running this. Like, the two back stages the of your Falklands. life have been, yeah, your two stages of your life, like a year before, have been fighting the Falklands war against the Argentinians and then coming home and being made to practice X and knockout for the Oh, world. it's like it's like so Vietnam, good. but in reverse. Like I came home and they spit on me. I came home and they made me a potato. <laughs> where's my parade? Where's my where's my onion costume? Uh, I joined the army to get money for college. I joined the army to be a potato. <laughs> <laughs> to be a potato for John Cleese, and it was an honor. <laughs> it was an honor to show him how to potato. He so does. Good. He seems so at home in, in this round. Uh, they dominate too. The ham team dominates. They only got like a single point from. Yeah, the uh, ham team. John Cleese, like John Cleese, it lives. This is where he lives. He lives at a table throwing hams at royalty sponsored celebrities. Like this is his <laughs> uniquely 
his life has done nothing but prepare him for this. And he, I, he, I think this is the only event that the red team do bad at. Like yeah, they get massacred get in this. Like they get across one, like by far the by far the worst. And uh, and yeah, that's down to that's down to John Cleese, which is Anthony Andrews, a classically trained British actor, doing his best sex face as he kind of crawls. Oh yeah, himself. he's worming across that thing. Some of them are very desperate. They're very serious to win this. They really, really wanted to get across that log, and John yeah. Cleese is just back there. I'm assuming still drunkenly, just whipping hands <laughs> and and taking them down, left and but right. See, think that was the best thing they could have done about this was because everyone got so utterly drunk together the night before in their team groupings that yep. instantly gets you into a position where you go we are a team now because we yep. are all hung over together and we will win this thing we because will die we, as potatoes together we've, we've all seen each other's genitals and in the case of meatloaf we will again <laughs> uh okay the next one is called Canada Life Assurance Lovers? <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, which yes, does sound is. like a scandal at an insurance firm. Yeah. yeah it does sound like a controversy. Uh, the, Edward comes out and plays, I, it feels like his fifth Joker. I don't know. He. <laughs> this is his chance to say something charming, so he does not. Uh, he yeah. just turns around and leaves. That's, you sponsored this to get on TV, and you're already just like, nope, I'm done. I'm done. It's going bad. I don't want to do it. Uh, the, the rules of this event, I believe, because again, not a, not really explained or like half explained. There are it's a Romeo and Juliet thing. There are Juliets up on the balcony, and what they have like a bunch of roses, and then the Romeos are below, and the Romeos have to run across floating platforms and climb part of a rope and grab the rose from the hand of the Juliet, run it back and place it on the ground. And then there's a twist about halfway through where you think they've won, and now the Juliets have to climb down the rope and run across, run across the floating platforms as well. I, I guess who does it? I thought who got the most roses. It turns out it's time, and then sometimes roses, which is which is consistent throughout. It's time for <laughs> roses. Nobody knows, right? And uh, some of the women just jumped into the water rather than climb down the rope. So I don't well, know. That if was that's... a penalty. Uh, that's okay. So that was a penalty, which they that did was not explain. Andrew's team. That was Andrew's team again, because once again, and Prince Andrew is the one who cheats. Yeah, yeah. They what they definitely bastard. tried it, and it worked because uh, even though Green Team jumped, she just she's fucking vaulted. Like as soon as it was time, she didn't try. She just vaulted straight over into the water and was like, uh, "We've yeah. calculated that it's only a ten second penalty." And they were right. Yeah. They, they, they still won. They the didn't game. have like a uh, protocol for it. They're just like, I don't know, make it 10 seconds because we didn't think anyone would do this. Prince Andrew's fucking canny gamesmanship. <laughs> I mean, this stuff gives me newfound respect for like people like who design like Ninja Warrior obstacle courses because yeah. they have to think about this shit. And you kind of go, well, okay, it's just doing stuff. And then you watch something like this and go, okay, no, that is a really hard job. Yep. Now, Somewhere in this mix, uh, I believe it's red team uh, Tom Jones uh, is against yellow team uh, professional boxer, and it doesn't seem fair yeah. except for Tom Jones whips ass at this, which I yeah. guess you should have seen coming. He was just neck and neck with him. Uh, the only reason they lost is Sheena Easton is way slower at getting down a rope than uh, Olympic javelin thrower Tessa Sanderson. Yeah, and who would have known? It's important that we've proved that. <laughs> that that's the that's the word problem that we've that we've proved today is that is that Tom Jones. No matter how fast your Tom Jones goes, it just doesn't matter if your Sheena Easton will not meet him halfway. 
<laughs> Tom Jones, they are trying to avoid his crutch too. Like he comes out in tights and I'm like, Ooh, he's a notorious pelvic thruster. This is, this could be dangerous to get that pelvis wet in a skin tight outfit. And so luckily they, they really avoided that for the rest of the event. So, so the behind the scenes fact on this is the original thing was meant to be that he, I think is doing the event. He not meant to do this event. He's meant to do the one where they swing stuff. Okay. So whoever uh-huh. did the swing stuff event for the red team, Walter Payton, Walter Payton. I think it is, was meant to be doing this one. Walter Payton took uh, okay. took something away from Tom Jones again. I think that's probably it. yeah. You want Walter Payton on the other one? Yeah, yeah. I think it was a good swap. I think it was good tactics. You yeah, want, you want Tom Jones uh, doing the mock seducing of women, and you want Walter Payton uh, murdering as many people as he can. <laughs> yes, this was a delicate one because they're like floating docks. And like the thrusting power, Walter Payton would have like pushed him right into the water. And then, you know, he'd spend the whole this time. Is, this is highlighting my grand desire to recreate this entire thing as a JRPG game, because I just think it would work so well. <laughs> Tom, Tom's That's, just got better stats, better love, better charisma. for party composition, you know, you're like, oh yeah, no, this, this is, this is the, uh, right. this is the water vaulter. Versus the, uh, the the potato runner. You're saying this is all a good idea. It just should have been a JRPG and not a television special. Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah. I've yeah, always right. wanted to uh, play Meatloaf in a JRPG. I've always thought he should attack and dethrone God. Like that's <laughs> that's my guy. Half his songs like a, are about it. Yeah, I mean, like, the 13 minute cutscene is well in his wheelhouse. <laughs> exactly. It would just be one song the whole time. Uh, so someone on Red Team uh, that I don't recognize because he's British. Uh, registers a protest and he it looks to me just they they don't have audio on this it looks like it wasn't supposed to happen because princess anne runs out and yanks him away by the elbow looking really unhappy she's like take your battle if you go full jfk on this and like just keep watching it frame by frame (laughs) as far as i can tell what happens um again perfectly normal serious country is that that's Cliff Richard, one of our greatest ever rock stars. Think of think of him as the as the Christian Elvis is probably the best way to think of him. Um, but he essentially objects, then withdraws the objection because the yellow team go, oh, it's just a game, Cliff, at which time he kind of goes, oh, okay, fair enough. And okay. then Princess Anne runs out to essentially try and stop him withdrawing the objection, oh. then realizes she's on camera and realizes it's a better look if she doesn't do that. She's whatever well, it is. He he very nearly got thrown in a dungeon for that. She, she looks yeah, she really clearly happy. wants to win, but also I, I feel like she understands the optics of, of yeah. You know, so good for her. Uh, Yellow gets a couple of pen- penalties and is still losing, still losing, still losing very badly. Uh, the guy that whose idea this was and who wants to be the star of it is doing the absolute worst. And I, I actually. It. I Googled him. I put this in my notes. I Googled to see if people like him. And I got a lot of articles explaining why they don't. So that was my research on the subject. Everyone agrees with me. This guy sucks. This guy sucks. Yes. Yes, I'm knowing him. He's just generally meh. He's 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 yeah. the royal that that if all of it kicked off in a proper kind of medieval style, he's the one that would believe every single other one of those royals when they said, Don't worry, Edward will look after you. And mm. every single one of them would have him in a tower and murder him within two minutes of taking power. Yeah. He's dead. He's Episode one, Game of Thrones. Yeah. yeah. He's he's the Shakespearean one where it's like, oh yeah, ha ha ha, that's my simple brother. I feel like he's probably the one that gets murdered at the start that kicks it off. He seems like the kind of bumbling guy that's like, why was he 
Why was yeah. he in Denmark? Yeah. He shouldn't have been in fucking Denmark. Now we've got to go to war. Uh, God damn this it. Guy. He's the cannon fodder that makes the war start. Yeah, uh, and Pr- Prince Andrew is the one who thinks he's going to win and absolutely doesn't. Yeah, no, he does not. He very much does not. Uh, next game is Herod's King of the Castle. Uh, and this one I understood. I don't think they, I think they were right to not have to explain this. Because yeah. everybody runs out in giant cumbersome king costumes and then they have to run to the end of the field and get through a narrow space and that's it so it's a foot race in a mascot costume what they don't with, say with a choke point yeah with a choke point and what they don't say is that fighting is not only allowed but encouraged <laughs> right yeah they yeah, bash yeah, into each other a lot this gets brutal this gets genuinely brutal. <laughs> this devolves into a series of of what look like fist fights uh yeah so they they go right they go and there's it's an elimination round over and over until there's only one winner so all all the teams have have two two kings out there uh they go in the two greens two greens win both blues come last fighting each other right they bash into each other so much that they eliminate each other basically yeah doing doing a three stooges bit that, that goes terribly wrong uh they run it again the greens come through first again i think it's red and yellow are knocked over and this is your first like this is a fist fight. They, yeah. They, yeah, kinda, they, <laughs> they fall out of their costumes they in battle. Of, they come out of their costumes and then keep fighting. Yeah. They just batter each other. They're going at it. Uh, and, and Her Majesty and Princess Royal is fucking peeing her gown. Like, this is the funniest thing she's ever seen. It's pretty goddamn oh, funny because yellow grass. She, she's just, she's just, she's just like, there's actual blood now. I'm happy. Yeah, she's <laughs> ecstatic for this. And it's, it's, it's at her expense. She just likes blood because yellow grabs Red's jockstrap and lifts him up and just power wedges his face into a wall. <laughs> like they're at the choke point, so he grabs the jockstrap, picks up the wedgie, and then rams his head into a wall. With it. <laughs> and, yeah. and they it's love. She loves it so much, nuts. even though she loses. And he throws his costume over the line. Like that counts. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's that's good enough. And I guess it kind of does count, except for green team thought something was off with that and runs to yellow, even though it was it was red that got attacked. And they run to yellow because I guess he also tripped somebody and they aggressively pull his pants off. They, they yes. like eight people charge this man, run him into the corner. The cameras try to cut away from it. Led by superstar actor John Travolta. They tear the pants off a man. They they tear the pants off of him, straight off of him while he fights. He does not want this to happen. And they repeatedly like check back, like, is it over? It's not over. It takes like a good good two straight minutes of fighting this man's pants off. It's It's so fucked up. (laughs) <laughs> did you have you got did you got write down what Prince Andrew says in his official complaint about this? Because he is furious. He's played his joker yeah, on this. He does and not. he's lost to his sister again. I just wrote down that he's furious. He files a protest. He seems really serious about what is wrestling in giant mascot costumes. He, he does he does he does your classic bit of royal family accidental racism by coming over and, and when Stuart Hall asks him asks him, Well, what are you complaining about? He says, Some yellow man came over and knocked my guy over. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Fergie this races is, uh, to support it. Like Prince Karen, Duke of Let Me Speak to Your Manager. Yeah. <laughs> so this that's exactly what's ha- what happens. Is This is where you really start to see the turn of like, this starts to become very much not about the game and very much about Royals wanting to get their way. So they, right. they file this complaint. Furious. He is legit furious yeah, when Paul Tanyas turns him down. He's mad. Uh, Fergie is magician's like, fuck you. <laughs> 
<laughs> Perkins supporting it. They're so sure. He turns and tries to, what, what I would consider a dick movie, tries to like overturn it by getting the crowd on its side, by just being yeah. like, who wants to see this rerun? And of course, they'll just cheer, you know, sure. cheer in that, in that scenario. And he thinks that's enough. Uh, but it's not. <laughs> but it's also, it's not a big enough cheer. It's like, it's the most half-hearted cheer you will ever hear. And it's like, I love that it's, again, back to that Shakespearean thing of the guy who thinks he is the beloved would be the overthrower and the nation would rise up. And you just get this half-hearted cheer from the crowd, who I reckon must be 90% military, military families. Because this right. is the height of the IRA bombings. There's no way they're letting the general public into this. <laughs> Jesus. God damn it. More context. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's life is in danger. In this crowded royal field you know space. what's a very good idea uh, during the height of the IRA bombings? A deeply embarrassing contest uh, full of American celebrities led by a child molester. Yes. We would like to do that, please. Anyway, I did clip the judging because I love the moment where the, he realizes, uh, perhaps for the first time, that being royal is not enough. <laughs> the judges say no rerun. Damn the queen. Who said knockout was all fun and games? It's for real, this, isn't it? Yeah. You you see the problem here is some people believe this is real. It is. Yes, now look. There'll be no reruns or anything like that. It was a fair and square. They had enough time to get ready. That's so great. That is they call them out, they're like, wait, you're you're forgetting that this is a game. Some people are starting to believe this is real. What are you doing? No. It it is real. (laughs) <laughs> like uh, not equipped in any way to deal with that kind of shutdown and disappointment. They just have to like go home and be like, he said, no, but he said, no. <laughs> I love the lifelessness of the crowd too. It sounded like a, like a wrestling game. You know what I mean? Like, like just the crowd noise in an old video game. It was like, Hey, Ooh. Oh yeah. All it's missing is like a Wilhelm scream, like halfway yeah. through. <laughs> there was, there was some chatter in there. that was a, I did hear Damn the Queen. I, I did also write down that this is the first time I saw a non-white face in the crowd. Like, yeah. Even by British 1980s demographics, this crowd is very white. This yeah. was for the whites. It's, it's like as if you needed to explain whatever this is. When, all they, when they first ran out in their floppy fat suits and clown shoes and started twirling over a crank, you're like, no. Nah. Yeah, I mean, as, as a Londoner, I know exactly what we were doing whilst this was on, and mostly it was rioting against Margaret Thatcher. And meanwhile, out in the middle of fucking Staffordshire, everyone else is doing this. <laughs> this is how they're wasting their time. The whole so, time I was thinking how much Mr. T must hate this. And it turns out, <laughs> wasn't even there. I will applaud whoever's vandalizing that page. It would have been so much funnier if Mr. T was there. And it does kind of seem like, it kind of seems like, yeah. Yeah. yeah you'd well, probably... there is there is one unknown celebrity because there is one celebrity from America who pulls out at the last minute, and as far I've never been able to work out who it is. I know there's one that pulled out, and what mm. actually happens is they put in a manager of two of the Olympians as a ringer and claim he's a dog sled champion. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, had, I had him in my notes that there's a there's one guy that's. That's black text on Wikipedia. I mean, he doesn't have his own entry. He was a dog racing champion. He was yeah, a dog he wasn't. Racing. He was manager of the two, two of the Olympians, and they absolutely so ringed funny. him in because one so of the US celebrities didn't show up. So I'm choosing to believe that every single one of those other celebs on that Wikipedia page is an option for the missing celebrity. It's Charles Bronson. 
You know it's Charles Bronson. <laughs> Love the Charles. I think Morrissey is the funniest Wikipedia vandalism. Yeah, he's... Morrissey's the funniest. Yeah. I'll give it to you. <laughs> All right, so m- many more fistfights happened. Those were the funniest ones and the biggest controversy about the controversy about that. Uh, the big big takeaway is that uh, Prince Edward is still losing very badly and has nothing charming to say about it. Yeah, and Anne's <laughs> team win about their third event out of all of them. And Anne is still dominating. So now we cut back to the Asda Marathon. This is strange. In my notes, I wrote down uh, soccer player Emlyn Hughes barely sticks his costume through first. And then I wrote this. This is in my notes. So he came first in this screaming dry double penetration. I don't know why I put it like that while I was watching this, but that's how I put it. And now. uh, Well, they're very, if you take them off and then lay them horizontal and jam them in a small hole, it does become very penile. And uh, (laughs) that actually is how the costume contest is designed and how every race, once they realize they can fight, every race is just a fight at the finish line and uh, with their costumes off jamming just ramming a phallic symbol through a tight space over and over so so emlyn hughes and princess anna actually were actually really good mates at this point and they'd only met about two months before and it was because he was the captain of like one of the big british sports quizzes and they had like a picture round and there was a picture of a jockey covered in mud in that round and he identified it as like some generic jockey and you could hear the entire audience just kind of freeze because it was princess anne and when she heard about it, she turned around and laughed so hard that she then got them to book her on the on the show as one of the surprise guests on his team, um, and they formed a massive friendship from that. Well, that's that's nice. Yeah, that's maybe the only cute story we have so far. <laughs> every other story ends with uh, with bombing. Oh, every, every other story is about how much that family hate each other in various ways. But yeah, right. she knows she uh, she did that. She uh, she was massively good friends with Emily News apparently. All right, so we we got away from that event. It's the as marathon again. This right. is my favorite round. This is my favorite round. It's it's green team uh, going across, and yep. the star nightshade. <laughs> yeah, uh, nightshades here. Michael Palin's here. Uh, throwing throwing hands is Jane Seymour. George Lazenby. Uh, he starts off this round by complaining about cheating in the last round, like about how they were robbed. So you can see he's got like he's got some some shit to work out. And he is the only one uh, of any competitor during this that that takes the log upright while making hard eye contact with the people at the table throwing the hands. <laughs> like just marking every ham thrown at him like, you're going to fucking get a ham. You're going to get a ham back. You're going to throw that like just every time hard eye contact with them. Ham revenge. And still fucking takes it over and over and over again. He yep. comes across that line. Hard eye contact, take just face tanking ham after ham after ham, unstoppable in his fury. Uh, it gets <laughs> That's so- why they call him George Ham Vengeance Lazenby. <laughs> <laughs> it's where this originated. It gets so out of hand that somebody hits uh, hits the MC with a ham, like off camera. <laughs> and uh, I've caught that moment. I didn't see the- <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I'm getting tagged right in the head with a ham off camera. Such an evil cackle. BBC production. This, this yeah. is a genuine serious BBC production. At the same time, we're reporting on doing live interviews with freaking, you know, uh, over in Soviet Union with 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 Gorbachev. Gorbachev They're yeah. doing this on the other channel. Oh I had that Nightshade had this unique form that I really liked. When she was creeping along, she was like a chameleon. Like she had her hands turned in and she was 
scooting. She was like Christopher Reeve, like in her log navigation. Green is but getting serious. Basically, I assume this is basically what she sent to gladiators as her kind of mm-hmm. pitch video as to why she should be on it. Yeah. Kelly, do you, do you see how many hams I avoided? Uh, <laughs> the next one is a couple of giant cauldrons. I don't remember the name of this it's one. Britannia Building Society Cooks okay. is, our, is our next game. And they open it with two enormous cooking pots. And this then, is, of course, a reference to the Savage Native Soup. Many of the Empire's early conquerors became in racist cartoons. <laughs> and this is the most chaos since the opening event. It just kind of kicks off and people are running screaming out of out of like a out of like a gate across a field around the cauldrons. There are many giant foam rubber costumes. Uh, there are two <laughs> two onions, two leeks, and two potatoes, and just sprinting for their lives. And behind them, two uncostumed uh, it's ladies first, two uncostumed female chefs sprinting out there, and one takes a fucking flying dive tackle, downs an onion, and just like ruin, that wrecks that onion right. to death. I love that these are women in flowing like chef princess costumes and you're like, oh, they're uncostumed. Like they're not in a vegetable costume, but they're very costumed. Okay. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. They're unfoam cost. They're unprotective okay. costumed is the important part. They have okay. no protective gear. And likewise, the people underneath the costumes don't, but you got to figure a big foam rubber onion is just as good as a crash helmet. Uh, Margot so she- Kidder got dragged to the ground by one of her leak stocks and just left for dead. <laughs> <laughs> and though, tell, and tell me this you wouldn't do this event though this does look like the most legitimate fun you can have absolutely and they they come out savage like they're just everybody here they explain the rules eventually like while it's going on while the chaos is underway after somebody has already been just knocked unconscious in an onion costume you're like oh i guess we should explain why he was just mauled in an onion costume well you see, when you're touched, you have to lie down, and then they, they get to take your costume, and they have to run it back and put it in the pot. Yes, Absolutely no person <laughs> lays down once they're touched. Every single one no. is a fight. Every single one runs out Absolutely. there and just flying tackles an onion. The onion fights back like crazy. It's just natural potato instinct. This is where John Travolta surprise catches up. If you've forgotten, he's in this. Uh, he, w- he has not been in this before this moment. All of a sudden... Yeah. Somebody just fucking dive tackles a potato and then the, the he is sword. well practiced at tearing the clothes off of people right here on this very stage. Like he's been doing that all day. He's he's very good at it. He runs out, just rips it off, and they they go, John Travolta's on the field. John Travolta, mega star, everybody, and then he runs out the gate and is never seen again. <laughs> Got my onion, I'm out. <laughs> meatloaf says the scene where meatloaf has to chase an onion this is, and the uh, onion is so much faster than no, hold meatloaf hold on hold on <laughs> okay we, you we, got the clip i've obviously obviously <laughs> I, know, I know the clip that's coming and it is the best obviously i've got the clip oh, release got so meatloaf's released it's meatloaf and i don't think meatloaf will ever catch that onion i'll tell you <laughs> This is going to go all night. <laughs> it's heavy metal. It's heavy metal against Olympic gold. Come on, Meatloaf. Go on, Meaty. Come on, Meaty. Go on, Meaty. Go on, Meaty. Oh. 
Uh, I, I kept okay. the, the temptation there, of course, is to end it after I don't think Meatloaf is ever going to catch that onion. That's <laughs> such good commentary. Yeah. Natural comedy wants to end it there, but I left it because some important things happen. Afterwards, you hear the crowd just start to laugh at Meatloaf's efforts. <laughs> just like he's lumbering around. It's comical. It's not going to happen. And what, what they've done is they've put Meatloaf up against an Olympic athlete. And that's what he says, heavy metal versus Olympic gold, is that he's trying to catch an Olympic athlete in an onion costume. And he's Plus, well, Meatloaf has not Meatloaf. eaten vegetables since like 1948. Well, the, the the thing is as well that it's, it's Steve Cram who's a genuinely good Olympic runner and an endurance runner. It's like it's not even like they've gone. We're going to put a sprinter in this. It's like we're going to make it so Meatloaf could legitimately <laughs> yeah. run for four hours and not catch this guy. Right, like like that's Meatloaf's problem is that he's more of an endurance man. <laughs> he's going to run him down eventually. Yeah, no. If you put him up against anybody but another Meatloaf, this was not going to end very well. But. <laughs> So Meatloaf is lumbering around. His team doesn't finish. He still he let him out there yep. to just chase an, an Olympic onion around to no result until time runs out. And what they say after they're tallying the scores, they, I, I'm sure they meant to add the word technically when they said this, but what they say is blue team still hasn't finished. Meatloaf is still running. Three minutes like you, you to this day, this of the clock on this event is running, and Meatloaf still has not caught that onion. There's actually a digital clock on Meatloaf's grave that's still counting up. It's still the time that he's running. <laughs> it's just like random British actresses I've never heard of, because I was eleven and American when this came out, and they are chasing down Olympic athletes in their dresses, and each of them got their vegetable. Everybody everybody one. got their vegetable. It was only Meatloaf. They put him up against the worst opponent. And then after they're sitting there tallying scores five minutes later, they just they just say, and I can't help but picture Meatloaf still just running around that field like I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you eventually. Just like, nah, not today, meatloaf. Not this onion. <laughs> but this is also the point where you see Princess Andrew, uh, Prince Andrew laughing heartily at meatloaf. Meatloaf mm-hmm. turning around and pointing at him and Andrew shutting up and looking very worried. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody gets to laugh but you, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, he doesn't ever get it. Uh, Red, uh, Princess Anne, I believe, still wins, wins this. Uh, Edward still... Yeah, with she wins it with the Joker that she only reluctantly played because she very clearly wanted to win it without even having to play, it, play her second Joker. Yeah, she plays it. She gets several points. Firm winner at this point. Firm loser is Prince Edward, uh, who I want to say once he started losing, just started retreating from the public eye because he is <laughs> not in this show as much as every single other member of the Royal family. Like everybody else is out there talking and he's only reluctantly like saying a word or just not cut to at all. Like he, this is his idea. It's supposed to be his vehicle for stardom. He's outshone and everything until he gets embarrassed and retreats. It's wonderful watching, watching just something blow up in somebody's face this hard. All right. The next event is the uninvited guests where they release they they again they don't explain first so what happens is a man comes out in an embarrassing comic drunk costume big foam rubber drunk rosy cheeks uh stumbling all over the place and then he proceeds to run across a floor that then begins shifting violently sending him careening into tables and then it pans out to show that there are people 
yanking these chairs connected to the floor to like make it harder for him and make him seem like yeah. he's drunk. Yeah, they're like bashing him with furniture that's also turning the floor into a conveyor belt. Yes, but it's it's a it's an unfair Mega Man level is what it is. Yes, and he's just beat to shit. <laughs> stumbles down the stairs very slowly and carefully in a way that you're like, maybe he's like yeah, very clearly you hurt. could still be drunk. If not hurt, <laughs> barely manages to sit down at the end. And then they explain the rules, which is that <laughs> what this, what you've just witnessed, which seems like an, an open assault uh, is actually a game. It's called the uninvited guests. We put a, we put a foam rubber costume on you. You try to cross this floor while, while the nether team shakes the floor using the chairs. And then you have to sit down on the bench and that's the only way that you win it. I did not like that when he was coming slowly down the stairs, the announcer goes, come on, boy. And I was like, did you oh. notice that the only person he did that for was uh, Viv Richards, the I black cricketer? I did happen to make that connection. Because <laughs> huh. when he said that, I'm like, God, I hope whoever's in that is not yep. a person of color. Oh, oh, Viv Richards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, I was like, that, that, that's your, oh God, please don't be Mr. T. Oh, it's Viv Richards, just as bad. <laughs> Mr. T would have taken off that drunk hat and charged. <laughs> oh, there would have been no pity for that fool if he'd said that to Mr. T. <laughs> that's very good Mr. T vernacular. No. That's exactly what he would have said. There is, there will be no pity for this particular fool. <laughs> yeah, the next one is yellow and they were a champion. Like compared to blue, they, they just dashed through this yeah no problem first the first like real shining victory for prince edward uh at this event where red has a lot of difficulty and team has a lot of difficulty and they mm -hmm. reveal that it's tom jones looking so unhappy and hurt like he's bashed his legs into these tables over and over <laughs> i think he got hung up for a little bit and just took bash after bash after bash <laughs> yeah he falls over he tries to get on the seat he's like hurt and exhausted he takes off the costume and the MC goes, it's Tom Jones. It's not unusual, Tom Jones. And then they cut away. <laughs> 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 Fucking doesn't have a punchline, not going to tie it in. Just like, here's the thing you do, Na Dick. Named a song. <laughs> like, we're an hour in, we're overrunning. We're not going to bother with punchlines anyway. <laughs> it's not unusual, Tom Jones, to see you bashed with a table by the royal family. Yes, a little, you know, a little bit. It is a Pretty little bit unusual, I would argue. I wrote, I wrote down once and again, once again, who pleases ensuring this? <laughs> because Tom Jones took some serious hip injuries and that's, that's his moneymaker, baby. He needs them hips. That's, that's all he's got, arguably. Uh, yellow seems like they're in a lock. They did so good to win it. But green blows through it, taking the only win so far yeah. from Prince Edward, who oh, is was... just has to be emotionally crushed. Did you take the clip of this? where Prince Andrew, the, the fucking Duke of nerd walks up and he's like, Oh, I should have put the Joker on that one. Shouldn't I? <laughs> like, no. yeah, yeah, no kidding, buddy. But no, but he, <clears throat> he comes out, he interrupts the proceedings just to say that as though yeah, that's the most relevant, obvious thing ever. Yeah. As though it's relevant commentary. Like he, like it was a clever thing to say. It was not. Uh, no. And then he disappears because clearly nobody liked it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, uh, I don't know. A guy popping up to a group at a party like, hey, what are you guys talking about? Oh, oh, oh you all hate me? Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're that, talking little, that little fluffy panda he keeps waving around as the team's mascot, by the way, is one of his own fluffy pandas. He is a collector of, of, um, of small fluffy toys. And if they get rearranged by his staff when they clean them, he gets very, very angry with them. 
Aw. Oh, it's so embarrassing it's that embarrassing. he does that and that anyone knows about it. And that everyone apparently knows about it. And then I he was brought a prince one. and someone found out about my fluffy panda like foibles, I would have them executed for sure. Your fluffy panda, your fluffy panda tantrums, you mean? The, yes. The, 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 your fluffy panda fits, as they call them. Which is which is another thirteen minute song by Jim Steinman, sung by me. <laughs> fluffy panda fits, of course, <laughs> a classic. Uh, we jump to the last round, I believe, of the Asda Marathon, which again is the butt scoot and ham throwing event. This. Oh, this ham team. This is. is this is where they are assassins. You see, it's like a super move where George Lazenby has has spent the last round gathering points and aiming at all of his targets, and then he has been charging up, and now they cross in front of him, and he unleashes. He unleashes his yeah. ultimate, which is just an absolute ham meteor he shower. Gets two straight ham kills, and then Judy Simpson, Nightshade, she gets uh, two after that. Just. Fastballing hams at the blue team. And George Lazby is not softballing hams. No. He's whipping them no. with fierce velocity. He absolutely headshots a woman right off of that log. First thing. Fucking Incredible. brutal whipping those hams. He headshots somebody else, knocks them off, headshots a third, and she tanks it and makes it across without even missing a beat. He headshots a fourth with a ham <laughs> and then finishes somebody else off with like a with like an apple. Just like yeah. tags him. Yeah, the only thing that yeah. stops him is he runs out of ham. He that runs out of ham. He is a ham assassin. It is the only thing that stops him. He clocks <laughs> five straight headshot kills with hams and then one with an apple. Like they, he runs out and just tags somebody in the head. I'm not even sure if that apple was foam rubber. I don't know if he was supposed to throw I, that. I feel like Judy gets credit for two of those ham kills. She, I think she also gets because they they cross and then loop over, so it's not just like four people on the team. It's it's however many people. So they just yeah. There's, there's an unspecified time limit of which we're never made aware. <laughs> of course right. not. That would be explaining no anything. Uh, Blue finishes with with two, and uh, this is the first time Yellow takes over. Like Blue has done badly enough, so now Prince Edward is not dead last for the first time. The games mm-hmm. are almost over, and he has spent the entire time losing and throwing a fit about it, but. Right, but, but he's now slightly in the lead. Her Majesty yeah. Highness and Princess Royal is way ahead going whipping, into the final event. Whipping ass. It's not. He's not. He's not going to come in first or even second. And uh, Prince Prince Andrew, yeah, is a lock. Is a lock for second, especially uh, with George Lassenby's absolute ham massacre. Just, <laughs> just got a tragedy. A tragedy for the history books. What he did to those people with those hams. Uh, our final game is the joust. Uh, they do explain the rules for this first, which is, uh, I believe this is the exact quote. You go down the arena towed by two boys knocking down targets. And that's uh, that's it. That's the contest. Close enough. Towed by two boys. They're um, leaving out how you have to stop, pick somebody up, change direction, and come back. Yeah, that's the twist is but, that halfway uh, through, you have to stop. And then they, they think that's going to be their big pivotal moment. I, you really think that's supposed to be... The way they play it, which this is where the royal family actually gets involved. They start jumping on the horses. Right. So this is supposed to be the big moment of the show. Oh, and now the damsel has to jump on the back of the horse. (laughs) But it's so muddy and so confused. And they don't come in at the same times. So they don't get the announcement right. And the whole thing is just like a fucking riot. And you're like, is that... The royal family involved? Is somebody getting dragged by a horse? What the fuck is happening here? It also seems asynchronous. Like like the targets that they have to bash with their... Uh, jousting lances are at different points in the course for different teams. If I'm not yeah, mistaken, yeah, it's not. It's not even. It's not 
managed correctly? You're wondering if they're staggered because of points? Like maybe it's by, by their placement? Uh, no, <laughs> See, nobody. I think also the royal involvement on this one was optional. And I think that's why Anne's team, again, absolutely dominate. Because clearly the other royals are like, ha, 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 this is going to be fun if we get involved. And Anne's like, fuck off, I'm putting someone on that horse and they're getting down the end and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, she's all business and it pays off. She wins. She wins quite, quite easily uh, while making it look very aloof. Uh, <laughs> well, and Prince Edward manages to barely pull off second to last while making it look like the hardest thing anybody has ever done in history. <laughs> and humiliating himself at least five times. <laughs> Deservedly just creating his own most embarrassing moment. He just came in, he kicked down a door and was like, I haven't been embarrassed enough. Will everybody pay <laughs> attention to me now while I do that? And they did. They did. Uh, ending ceremonies, they give the Princess Royal a bowl, which he is not <laughs> impressed by. <laughs> this was all this was all for a bowl she looks There's a lot of charity shit inside the bowl and i think once she saw that she's like okay i should pretend to like the bowl <laughs> she is so unhappy with that bowl. <laughs> yeah she wanted like a big flashy prize something to really rub yeah. it in and it's it's like a serving bowl it's not even like an ornamental bowl it's got some pictures just, on it she just legitimately wanted prince andrew's head yeah. on the plate. that's she all wanted. she wanted in life or failing that something like just real phallic and twice the size of him to show up at his coronation ceremony with. <laughs> the, the event ends and the very first credit, aside from the production teams, our first credit is event producer, His Royal Highness, the Prince Edward. Once uh, all, all the credit for this, that he just absolutely tanked right into the dirt at every stage. Really thought that credit was going to be, was going to be a linchpin for him. He even blew it harder because he basically walked off from this, went to the press tent, and then was like, so what did you all think? Um, and hadn't realized that because of the security arrangements, not a single member of the press had been allowed in to view it. <laughs> so they'd all had to watch it on a really small TV in a wet tent, and they were therefore not a very receptive audience to Prince Edward at this point. Um, and he absolutely threw a tantrum when they didn't all cheer and, and, and say it was wonderful and stormed out. And he said, uh, thanks for sounding so bloody enthusiastic, and then pushed out of the tent. His exact words. That's Amazing. definitely hand how you handle the press after an event like this. <laughs> and, uh, and I think now would be a great time to stress the lasting consequences this had for the royal family. Uh, I couldn't tell if it was thematically important or not to some essays, but you are of the opinion, yes, this did have lasting like physical consequences. They they started being taxed for the first time because of this directly. Yeah. So essentially what happens beyond this is is this definitely takes the tarnish off. Um, because the press reaction is genuine. No, people actually really enjoy it. But the press just go into it and on a political level, it becomes one of the things that leads up to them essentially having to go yeah, we maybe do have a bit more money than sense and we're not this kind of all shining, entirely separate group of people anymore. So the Queen has to agree to pay tax, which ends up costing her. I mean, essentially, this 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 event has contributed to the costing the royal family cumulatively about half a billion pounds in the in the long run in taxes, which is quite impressive. Holy um, shit. Also, the uh, the official journalist for the event was meant to be a guy called Andrew Morton. 
um, who was for the Daily Telegraph, and he was forcibly kept out, again, for security reasons. He nursed that grudge so much that eventually he was the guy who wrote the book that was kind of the killer book on how the royal family had treated Princess Diana, um, and therefore really tarnished all of that stuff as well. He would not have written that book if he hadn't been kept out of this event. (laughs) This is for excluding me from that one game where they dress like kings and ram the phallic thing into the small space. I really (laughs) wanted to be there. Fuck you. I heard Mr. Uh, T was going to be there. Yeah, he, he's the person who's been editing that Wikipedia page every day ever since. <laughs> I love so many grudges. Uh, I've ruined their, the whole family's reputation, I, cost I them it. half a billion dollars for this absolutely ridiculous, incredibly stupid thing. I think uh, what I love about this is that uh, this seems like the only real thing the royal family has been training for for like a hundred generations. Like if they should be good at anything, it should be the getting people together for a pointless tournament of night like things, you know, and they just blew it so hard. But Anne doesn't, Anne comes out of this with a legit boost in her reputation. I, I, because I, yeah, the way okay. She just stays aloof and just looks like she's trying to win it. She doesn't go like really stupid on it. She mm-hmm. goes, no, I am going to take this seriously. Yeah. And everybody loves it when you take your foam rubber drunken mascot race very seriously. Like if, if you'd lean into it, if you're going to do it, you have to lean into it. I mean, if Meatloaf had caught that onion, I th- I have to believe he'd be at least a duke by now. Yeah, but she had I that. Assume, I assume like you're going to drop the Meatloaf bombshell on this as well. Well, now I found a story from Meatloaf, uh, who was not a journalistically sound source. So I was a little <laughs> reluctant to share the story that I, I assume you're confer- talking about. I can confirm that I have had it from two other sources that it did happen. All right, well. You tell your version. If you miss something funny, I'll tell the version I heard from Meatloaf. <laughs> so, so as I mentioned earlier, there was a ball the night before, and all the people kind of involved were there largely because in some way they had been requested, and that was obviously the Duchess of York in Meatloaf's case. Um, Meatloaf and Duchess of York got on very well at that event beforehand. Nothing, you know, entirely untowards, but there may there, there was an element of handsiness on both sides. This is mm. as it's been described to me, um, which Prince Andrew did not approve of. Now it's worth remembering that at this point, in court depositions since, you know, for recent events, um, the Duchess of York has said that they were in an open relationship at this point. Um, the Andrew really did not like the attention that the Duchess of York was paying to uh, to uh, to Meatloaf. And yes, during the sat the morning rehearsals where the celebrities were involved, he did at one point attempt to push Meatloaf, uh, jokingly in inverted commas, into that large pool that they were all sco- scooting over on that pole. Um, to which the, the the versions I've had from various people. Uh, goes that Meatloaf immediately turned around, being a much larger man, picked him up. Andrew turned around and said, don't touch me, I'm royal, you bastard. Um, at which point said Meatloaf said, yeah, if you try and push me in the moat, I don't give a shit who you are, I'm, you're going in the moat. And his security guards had to pull him off of him. <laughs> That's a word for word of the story. That's great to hear it confirmed. That means Meatloaf was telling the truth uh, and lends some credence to what he said afterwards, which is that he believes this is why the Queen of England uh, bore a grudge against him until the day he died. Yeah, I kind of, I, I kind of reckon he, that's the bit where he overhypes it. I think, I think Meatloaf would like to have thought that that the Queen bore a grudge against him, but the reality was that just Prince Andrew was terrified of him for the remainder of his life, and I think that should be enough for anyone, really. <laughs> oh, 
God. And you know I'm gonna end the podcast. There's only one way to do it. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, but... The least got her meatloaf's released. It's meatloaf. And I don't think meatloaf will ever catch that onion, I'll tell you. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. There's nothing so tragic as when the young die before the old. Here at Hot Dog Space Camp, we know that all too well. A moment of silence, please, for the late Hot Dog Space Class, 2023. Three Finger Louie. Aaron Croston. Adrian H. just wanted to see the stars. Buck. We told her that's not how it works, but she was a dreamer. Aiden Mouet. Alpha Scientist Java, Unandy. Armando Nava worked hard, partied harder, and they say, died the hardest. Badger, Benjamin Sironin, Bim Talzer, Brandon Garlock. Brian Saylor was the first to suggest they steal a real rocket, but we're trying not to place blame here. Brianne Whitney, Rockway loves the meat pilly, still does. Barry Tumac. Cyril was the one who actually stole the rocket, and it's his fault. Chad. Chance McDermott. Chris Brower. Curious Glare just wanted to smell space. Devin the Rogue Supreme. Dean Costello. Donald Finney will never forget your tragic last words. Ghost Rod the Whip! Eric Spaulding. Fancy Shark. Jellaho deserved better than to be torn apart by space apes. But he did bring those apes up there. Greg Cunningham. Hambo. Haraka. Harvey Penguini's parents are suing the school. We understand they're hurt, but exploded by asteroid is a pretty classic act of God. Hot fart. Jaber Al Aiden died how he lived. On the moon. Jeff Haraski. We've lost every one of our precious Johns. John Dean's family asked us to say, may he rest in the peace he hated in life. John Hector McFarland's family asked us to say, may he rest in war. John McCammon's family asked us to say, may the bastard find no rest. John Minkoff's family chased us off their property with a thresher. Johnny No Fun was ironically too much fun. It turns out space is not the ultimate bong cooler. Joseph Searles will never forget your tragic last words, which were just your own name yelled from a saddle tied to a booster rocket. Now, it may not hurt as badly as losing the Johns, but we lost all of our Joshes too. Josh Fabian, we hope you finally found Alf. Joshua Alf Graves, if only the two of you had met in life. Josh S, we hardly knew ye. Nobody could even find a picture. 
Leading theories say you were an urban legend. Ken Paisley, KM, M. Jahi Chappelle, Mac Miserable. Matt Riley, when you enrolled, you told us you wanted to die naked on a comet. We laughed at the time. Max Baroy, Michael Lair, Michael Wells. Now, the school is suing Mickey Lohman's family for defamation. We are not a school full of buttholes who teach kids that rockets point down. Mike Stiles, Moju, N.D., Neil Bailey. Neil Schaefer will miss your laughter most of all. It went like this. War, 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 war. Like a horny walrus choking on a smaller walrus is wild. It's crazy stuff. Neku 104. Nick Ralston. Ozzy Olin. Patrick Herbst, you asked in every class what would happen if you stuck it in the lunar rover. What was the answer, Patrick? Rachel. Rain Vargas. Rihanna. Sarkovsky. Sean Chase is the one who started the deadly rumor that Huffing Space got you high. Spotty Reception. Supernaut had a theory that, in zero gravity, a fart could propel you forever. It's still going, as far as we know. Ted H. Thomas Cavazos. Timmy Leahy overdosed on freeze-dried ice cream. You can only eat four of those in a lifetime, you know. Toasty God. Tom Sekula. Tommy G. Waylon Russell, Yasarian. Yanis Ioannidis, you were our best, our brightest. The live feed showed you burned that way, too. Dr. Awkward, all of your instructors said it was impossible to do a kickflip in space. They said you'd never land it without gravity. I guess? I guess? I guess the joke's on them because you're kickflipping forever now! <laughs>